0: You, 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 do you know that bad girls go to hell? Bad girls. See the boldest and most intimate scenes ever shown on any screen. In Bad Girls Go to Hell. See sex without shame. The violence in a story that is brutally honest. In Bad Girls Go to Hell. These are the men possessed with sex, corrupt and immoral, who prey upon women. They are the thrill seekers. This is a picture with a new kind of raw, naked realism.
1: You know that I love you. Why are you leaving? I love you, too. That's why I must go.
0: If you want to see a film that dares to tell all, That is truly a body and soul shocker. Then you must see. Bad girls go to hell.
2: It is 8 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of January in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to Talker. this, my friends, my compadres, my amigos, my companions, my fellow travelers on the road of amusements. Uh, this is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us. It is Monday, January mm-hmm. One moment. It is Monday, January 19th. Thank you for coming along, and welcome to Day 12. Uh, it is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and here we are, keeping the dream of comedy alive. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to be part of today's program, it's 503 733 Seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy For your comments, questions, clarifications, ponderings, ruminations, uh, keviches, keviches, recipes, whatever it is you might have today. 503 uh, 733 Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the absurd, the indefensible, the morally ambiguous. Uh, whatever it is you might have. 503 733 You can also email if you like. It is uh, Rick at RickEmerson dot com. Rick at RickEmerson dot com. Richie with a T at 970.am dot am, or filling in for uh, Sarah X Dillon today. Kristen Bowie, who can be reached at Kristen at nine seventy dot am. Hello, how are you today?
3: Hello, I feel legitimate having wow. an email wow. address.
2: Okay. I'm sorry. Right on time. Your voice is like nine yeah. times louder than everybody else's. Every
3: single time. I'm is your sorry. voice
2: always carried like that? Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. Always. All
2: right. I'm just. Uh, it's uh, don't get me wrong. It's good. It just. Uh,
3: it's, and I don't realize it. It no.
2: cuts through, is what it yeah. does. All right. Well, in any event, so I gotta uh, just before we go any further here, let me just give you a little overview of w- what we'll be uh, doing today. So, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins is going to be joining us from the Hill as we count down to Inauguration Day, which is tomorrow. And it happens like way earlier than it ought to. I mean, really, because I think it's like eight or eight or nine in the morning or something. But I think that's East Coast time. Does anybody know? I'm I such an uninformed he's American. I to be
3: sworn in
2: at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Eastern, Eastern time. Yes. So I'm not even going to be awake, and I'm not getting up for it. I mean, it's going to be on the TiVos. I have, to, I have no plans to, to set my alarm so I can get up and watch a guy stick his hand on a book. It's just not going to happen. So anyway, so I guess by the time I get up tomorrow, we'll have a new president, and bada-bing, bada-boom. Uh, so we'll talk to Lisa, uh, Lisa Desjardins from CNN about that today. Here's why. Because I saw the most glorious thing on CNN last night. They were doing sort of a, uh, like a dry run of the inauguration yesterday because they were doing something or other in Washington, D.C. I think it might have been tied into MLK Day. I don't know. They were, they were doing some sort of a gathering, some sort of a shindig happening, and apparently it was just a disaster. Uh, I guess it was just way too cold, and they couldn't, uh, they, 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 like, nobody could get anywhere, and none of the toilets were working, and nobody could get home afterward, and there were so many people in one place that all of the cell towers were overwhelmed, and then there was no cell service to be had. So, when I turned off the news last night, because Laura and I had we had this sort of a, a dinner thing that we did, but the last thing I heard on the news last night, which is Sunday, before I turned off, uh, before I turned off CNN, was just that quote. Well, everything seems to be going terribly wrong here, and it may in fact be even worse on inauguration day. So that's fantastic. So I'm rooting for discord and strife tomorrow. So we'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins about that. Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City today. Here's why. I'm not even going to wait for this. If you go to rickemerson.com right now, yes, I am speaking to you. If you go to rickemerson.com right now, courtesy of Steve Kastenbaum, there is, in fact, the first footage of that plane landing in the Hudson River. And it's creepy as F you just it, you don't know from creepy here's what makes it so weird by the way is that there's no uh aural accompaniment to it there's no music there's no there's no sound there's nothing it's just a security camera of it's just a shot of the Hudson River taken by a security camera that's like on a warehouse or something near there, and then all of a sudden on the right hand corner of the screen, you just see like just a plane coming into the frame and landing in the water, and it makes, me, makes my skin crawl just to think about it. I mean, I know everything went relatively well, and everybody's alive and safe and whatever, but it would freak you out to watch that. So uh, go to RickEmerson.com, uh, click on today's uh, web uh, log entry, and you will see a post from um, well, it's, it's a link that Steve Kassam sent me. So we'll, we'll talk about that today. Uh, coming up later on, Senior Radio Correspondent James Roop joining us from Los Angeles. Uh, what else? Our good friend Mailman Chris will join us in the studio later on today. He will be counting down the top five rock band songs that are much harder to perform than one might expect based upon the song. That's coming up uh, in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, our good friend Todd Tulsis will be stepping in during the noon hour to bring you news and amusements of all varieties. What else? Geek Watch today. Snuff Watch today. A special presidential edition of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, courtesy of our good friend Chris Paddock. Uh, what else? Recap of Friday's altogether confounding Battlestar Galactica quasi-season semi-premier. Uh, the final ten episodes of Battlestar Galactica kicked off last Friday. and Fatboy from Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, they're going to be showing them every Friday at uh, the Baghdad. So we were there Friday night for that. And it was just like a... It was just a big, uh, just a big pile of what. So we'll discuss that here in a few. So you know, we'll give kind of a heads up before we reveal any spoilers. But really, that was Friday and today's Monday, and you really ought to have seen it by now. And if you haven't, that's that's your own problem, friend. Um, there you go. That's it. Uh, your phone calls, other uh, other things on the horizon as well. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733. Two 970. Uh, so we've got phone calls to get to. We will discuss Battlestar Galactica before the end of this segment and um, so forth. All right. On that note, so this morning, uh, I got up a little bit later than normal because uh, the office is closed today. Now that's not going to stop us from being here and providing amusements for the people because it's what we do. Because the...
3: Uh, We're game, ba- game day players. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Because the need for entertainment and diversion never takes a day off. So here we are. But to so the phone rang this morning and I... I don't even, do I have, let's see if I have the actual email. Hold on, let me check my phone. Uh, so I got, so I called Sarah this morning, but Sarah did that thing of, she knows that I typically don't ever check my voicemail messages. And it, it, so Sarah and I at this point in our relationship have figured out, here's, and let me just tell you, this is just an FYI, like i let a sort of a confidential to Wondering in Wichita. Um, if you leave me a voicemail, the odds are like 1 in 50 that I'm ever going to listen to it. I'm because, the same way. Because what's the point? I'll just call you back. The only time I will listen to a voicemail is if it's from a number that I don't recognize or if it's like a private number or blocked or something, then I guess I have no choice. Um, but if it is a voicemail from somebody that I know, I'm just going to call you back and say, like, hey, did you just call me? And then you'll say yes, and I'll say, what did you need? And you'll tell me, and then we'll be done. And then I'm going to go and delete the message without ever having heard it. So, well, let- my
3: reasoning is, is there's a reason why they put a missed calls totally. notifier on your cell phone. And that's so you don't have to check voicemail.
2: Exactly. That's totally what it is. Because otherwise... You're right, because one really does obviate the other, because otherwise I would just listen to the voicemail and I'd know who called me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, anyway, so Sarah called me and then she sent me a text and then she sent me an email. Um, because she and I both know at this point that if I leave her a message, she's not going to listen. If she leaves me one, I'm not going to listen. So this is Sarah's email. She says, um, hey, I woke up horribly sick and I can't come in today. Call me as soon as you can. My chest feels like I've inhaled little chunks of evil. Oh. And then I, uh, I called her this morning. She doesn't, she, she sounds bad. Um, she picked up a phone. Like, oh, hello, and I said, "Hi, I, how you doing?" And she, said, "I don't feel so good. I can't really move or talk." And I said, "Well, you should stay home today." She said, "Yeah, I'm going to go to Red Meyer and buy some tea, and then I'm going to stay at home all day." I'm sorry, right, I really would like to come to work. And I said, "Don't worry about it." So, um, anyway, so that's when I, so that's when I called uh, you, Kristen. So, Sarah will not be, uh, she will not be joining us. She today. has something contagious. I hope not. I, I don't know. I mean, probably not. I mean, my guess would be no, because if she's sick, I guess she was out this weekend. I think Paddock saw her this well, weekend. I saw her yesterday, because I picked up her car. Did she seem okay? Yeah. I'm well not... oh, see, but you saw her yesterday. I was going to say you're probably safe, because you didn't see her. Because dis- here's the, don't, isn't it true that by the time, what am I trying to say? By the time you are actually externally sick, in other words, by the time you are visibly ill, all the symptoms have manifested themselves. That by that point, you are no longer contagious. That's what I've always heard. That the period of contagion, that is in... It's like
3: two weeks beforehand, isn't it? See,
2: but I didn't think it was two weeks. I thought it was like a couple of days. I think...
3: I, I think it depends on
2: what you have, though. Uh, well, whatever. Well, in any event, It's
4: miscellaneous.
2: Mis- 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 well, you saw her this week, so your hoe is regardless. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. Even if it's only a couple of days, you saw her yesterday. Why were you seeing her yesterday? Because I picked up her piece of Oh, her car? car. Her rat the killed the car. car? Yeah. You know how
4: cold it was last night? <laughs> I have no idea. We showed up there, like, me and my brother at, like, 5 o'clock, and we spent maybe three four hours trying to get it started, because the battery was dead. At Sarah's place? Well,
2: it... she hasn't started that car since she got the new one. I mean, it's been probably two months if oh, yeah. it was turned on.
4: So she left right away as soon as...
2: Oh, you know, of course. alive I'm out of here. If she sticks around, she has to help you fix the car. She's, so, she's no fool.
4: So I think I was out in front of Sarah's house for, you know, until like 8 or 9 Oh,
2: months. I'll guarantee you sure. right now. I love Sarah, but I'll guarantee you right now that she knew the car didn't start, and she wasn't going to stick around. That's, to, yeah, Here you go, and uh, great. Have fun, Rich. You will be good. Bye. And, and that the rodents went. are
3: loving oh, having that all to themselves. Fa-
4: I'm going to wait until she's back tomorrow, because <laughs> okay. I found some stuff that, you know, did think. you
2: see things that no man should Drural see? Cruel
4: things that no man should see. In the car, really? See, I was thinking of eBay and Sarah's Dylan stuff. But I got I gotta, I gotta We're
2: gonna make a movie, Sarah
4: Dylan's X car. All right. So just like, EX, well, nice.
2: Just tell me. Just tell me. Get tell me one thing you found in Sarah's car. One thing. Just tell me one. 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 I item. wanted to
4: save the hard punch, good one. Let's just say. Wow! <laughs> 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 I wanted to take pictures, but it's just one of those things that I didn't want to do to Sarah. I wasn't expecting that answer. I didn't want to do it to Sarah. Would you say
3: it's like a Britney Spears style?
4: Britney would be proud of Sarah.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I was so unprepared for that.
4: Yeah. And we kept the stuff. Oh, God,
2: because you're creepy.
4: No, that is creepy, but, you know. um, All right. Creepless. No, he's
3: kidding. Sarah's there, dirty stuff.
2: Sarah's dirty I like
4: to keep Sarah's dirty things <laughs> the around.
2: bag of stuff. I'm going to shape him into a doll that roughly approximates her shape, and then I'm going to pet it every night.
4: But I think I'm going to mount a camera in the back. Of mount. Back of Sarah's car, and I'm going to make films inside of her car.
2: See, even that shouldn't sound creepy, but now it does. <laughs> you have this magical ability. You're like the you are. It's like Mentos is the fresh maker. You're like the creep maker, because things that shouldn't sound weird sound weird when you say them for He's some able reason. able
3: to damn near anything. Exactly. <laughs> like
2: saying I'm going to make a film in Sarah Dillon's car shouldn't be a phrase that is off-putting, and yet when it comes, you have this magical ability to just imbue anything with a sense of ick. That's like the, um, we were noted the other day that the phrase don't tell anyone has the ability to, to make anything sound weird. Like there was that, we had this story a few weeks ago, there was some teacher, uh, he was like a, a first or second grade teacher, and I guess it's kind of weird, but it's not like it's actually, not like it's actually flat out wrong some second grade teacher and he was doing something in his classroom. He had an electric razor and he had something where he was sitting on a stool in the middle of the classroom fully clothed and he was having the second graders come up with the electric razor and shave his face, which I guess is strange but not like
4: that's the beginning.
2: But that doesn't <laughs> scream. It doesn't scream it's like kind
3: of weird, but not creepy.
2: It doesn't scream yeah. molesty yeah, or anything. Exactly. Except that he did this. Apparently, the kids would come and shave his face, and then he would say, "Don't tell your parents."
3: Oh, that. And see, but then that, that makes it creepy. Yeah. See, that's what makes that's like it. That's like Uncle Ted creepy. creepy. Yeah. Totally, you exactly.
2: You my armpit next. Time. You don't need to tell your mother about this. She doesn't like me anyway. All right. Well, I don't need that. that is creepy. I wish you hadn't told me that. Now I just want to call Sarah at home and, and <laughs> find out what that's all about. But I know she's probably drugged out of her mind on cold medicine. Well, all right. Well, in any event, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Hello, Kristen Bowie. How are you today? I
3: well, I was okay. I mean, all things yeah. all things, all, all things considered, well. I, I'm I'm doing pretty well actually. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, and so forth. All right. Uh, have we uh, heard confirmation from CNN? No. that's great. That's fantastic. Um, do me a favor, Richie. Will you um uh, go uh, call CNN and uh, see if we have? Uh, do you have the uh,
5: number for that? For yeah. I have it here if you need it.
2: Find out if, we have, uh, if we've confirmed everybody for tomorrow. Let me give you the print. All right. Um, let's see. It is, uh, what, 1122, something like that? All right. Well, I should take these calls, and then uh, we may or may not discuss Battlestar Galactica right here. It all depends on uh, where we are in the hour. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Radio program. You are the first caller of the day and the week, setting the tone. For all that will follow, please don't be terrible
1: hey Rick happy hey. New Year hello how are you fine right. um, right. I just wanted to let you know that the um, the speech actually he takes Brock takes office at 1201 that's Eastern time the actual. Speech starts at nine o'clock our time. Starts so, at
2: nine o'clock. Well, okay.
1: So you could be able to see it. He, he, you'll be able to see it.
2: All right. And so this is the, uh, so this is the actual inauguration. Now, is this going to be one of those things where the actual inauguration only takes like five minutes, and then his speech, though, is like however long? In other words, the actual swearing in. It seems like that must be necessarily uh, short, right?
1: Well, it's, it's it depends. You know, it depends upon him and what he wants to say. However, um, as of 1201, he is the president of the United States, Barack whether Obama he's sworn in or not.
2: Okay. All right. That's so right.
1: I just want to let the viewers or, you know, the listeners know that at 9 o'clock, that's right. when you want to turn on your TV. All
2: right. Thank you for the clarification. You bet. All right.
1: Thanks so much.
2: All right. There you go. Barack Obama is Mitchell. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Hold on. I'm going to make a note to myself. I have a great idea. All right. All right. I got a great idea to share with Lisa here in a minute. Oh, by the way, not that anybody uh, at home really cares about this, but uh, like if you're playing the uh, the Rick Emerson uh, Picture Pages game at your uh, domicile right now, uh, left side of my head, huge cowlick going on right here, which I didn't bother to fix because it's a holiday, so it doesn't really matter. Hello, Chris Paddock from Rock 101 KUFO. How are you today?
6: I don't know. What mic am I on? There oh, you go. There we is, are. Yeah. All right. How That's are you, on. Rick Emerson? I am
2: fantastic.
6: Wow. Obama-mania.
2: It is sweeping the country, Truly. from what I'm told. Truly.
6: All right. Yeah. Uh, myself. All and right. by the way, has anyone noticed that when Richie I told you this off air. Have you ever noticed that Richie laughs like the gimp in uh pulp fiction? <laughs> like in the little background there when, when they're in Zed's basement. All I can think about in that scene, I don't really remember what the gimp sounds like. But but you
2: know what you know what I do remember in Pulp Fiction is the sound that it makes when, what's his name, Zed is drumming his fingers on top of the Gimp's oh, head while he's yeah. trying to ponder what to do. That,
6: that's a disturbing sound Because the Gimp as is well. sort of
2: crouched down and he's got the full leather bodysuit like that guy in People Under the Stairs. <laughs> and, and he's like drumming his finger on top of the Gimp's head and he's, well now. And then he's trying to ponder which of the guys yeah. to violate first.
6: Yeah. I was thinking he also looks like Bane from the Batman and Robin movie as well. Yes. Bane. Well, well, thank well, spot. Horrible movie. All right. So, so you were there uh, Friday for Battlestar Galactica. Amazing crowd. I want to personally thank all the KUFO listeners and Court and Fatboy listeners that showed up. Huge uh, battlestar Battlestar fans in full effect on Friday here in PDX. And, you know, I, I saw you on the television show talking about how this is a geek kind of city, and, and you couldn't. That was confirmation enough on Friday night. No, it wrapped all
2: the way around, the, uh, all the way around the building. Yeah, it was around corners, and so. people
6: were reverent. To, yeah. uh, did you notice that? No one really spoke. No, they shut the Re- hell up. Yeah, they did. They, they really did. did. Uh, a lot of intense things and revelations. If you're following the show, uh,
2: so we should say right reverent. now that so we will be talking about uh, things that happened on Friday's Battlestar Galactica, and I know that already. It's become like like the uh, just like the uh, the douche patrol is on. They're they're in full force on the net because I guess. So just, I don't want to be that guy and be inadvertently revealing things. So if you haven't seen Battlestar Galactica from Let's Friday, you don't want to know or whatever, like, this is your this is your chance to turn down the radio. Somebody told me that he went on to some completely non-Battlestar Galactica-related message board. It was like an Xbox board right? or something. It was like a Left 4 Dead message board or whatever. And some guy had changed... Okay, spoilers beginning now. Maybe now. You know. Some guy had changed his screen name to Ellen at the Fifth Cylon and d Herself.
6: <laughs> like, that was his
2: screen name.
6: That's a really intense way. That's like a flash mob way Seriously. of giving out People porn. on the Internet hate you. you so. know. It's yeah.
2: like those guys who would walk around the mall the with, shirt. you know, Dumbledore dies on page one hundred thirty-seven. You know, I mean, which is, you know, I mean, in a way you almost have to admire that because it's just such a dick move that you almost have to embrace it. It's just so, it's just such a jerk activity that one... It almost becomes like a sort of performance art. But on the other hand, yeah. you know, you don't want to be that guy. So. It was
6: amazing. Uh, and I'm not sure what part this... I want to say it was maybe when Dee kills herself, where someone screamed in the... It has cut to a break. F this show. <laughs> the by the way, Aaron Duran is already selling the Frack Earth shirt. Bought mine.
2: Uh, I bought mine at like 1.05 a.m.
6: wear ours at the same time if uh, possible, though. Here's the
2: thing is that Chris Paddock and I, three different times now, have come to work wearing basically the same outfit. Uh, occasionally down to the same black and uh, gray stri- right scarf from the gap.
6: That's you know what, yeah, writing. we looked like black and white version of uh, students at Hogwarts Yes. when well, we wear that, actually.
2: Uh, so Aaron Duran went home. There was there's a great sequence in Friday's Battlestar Galactica where, you know, all of their hopes have been dashed and their yeah. dreams have been crushed and whatever, and somebody has spray painted on the inside of the Galactica hallway, frack Earth! And Aaron immediately was like, "I'm gonna go home and make that shirt right now and sell it." And he sent out oh, awesome. he sent out an email, you know, like 1 a.m. Like hey, the shirt is not for sale, and at 1:05, I had already purchased it. <laughs> and so I, I was telling Patrick, and I'm like, well, "Either either none of us can wear the shirt at the same time, or we all have to wear it on the same day."
6: I think we should wear it when their producer shows up uh, for the Q and A after episode uh, three. Is that happening? I believe that is the uh, that's that's what I heard that's rumor happening. from Court and Fatboy themselves. That he's going to be the. And what a bleak program.
2: Yeah, but i got to say this. First, I'm, I don't mean to be the guy who's dogging on the episode just days after day, but I Here is I will say this. The thing about. We'll get them in more uh, later. We may actually have to break this into a, a separate segment here so I have to break here in a second, but i um so we'll talk about uh, Ellen Ty being the alleged fifth yeah. Cylon here. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the the earth and the bones and the hey hey and the what's it uh, all mean? What is that? I will say this the d suicide thing didn't didn't really shock me or or it, as much as it did other people because I saw it coming a mile away, and here's how, and I was talking to somebody about this afterwards. Here's the reason I was not surprised by uh, D killing herself. D who is, uh, is... Are she, she Lee lead, officially... Uh, possibly, were they Lee married?
6: Lee at the moment. Were they married? I believe I they forget. were ever married. I don't think they She's were. Lee Adama's no, ex. They became a thing on Pegasus. Because she's like a B... You know, she's like a B-list
2: character. You know, right. she's a, she's a second-track character. But they, spent, they gave her, like, way more time than they ever had before. Like, a disproportionate amount of time spent on her character, who has always just sort of lurked in the background as an adjunct to Lee. And yeah. the minute a B-track character... Is given a track time. You know that either, A, they're about to be uh, unmasked as a villain somehow, mm-hmm. a secret villain, or they're going to die.
6: It was like the, the first in the first half of this uh, season when uh, the chief's wife got stuck in the airlock and died. Right. Yeah. Very yeah. similar to that. Yeah. As soon as they take yeah. a
2: character that you don't really know that much about and they spend about 20 minutes on them, I- you know that something big is going to happen. They're either going to be unmasked as the screen killer or... A yeah. of being dead. It's
6: like the red shirts oh. on Star
2: Trek, it's but it's land. for a whole new generation. Somebody actually said that on the way out. I was oh, really? This, this listener, Jordan, who was there on the way out, and he's like, they should have just given her a red shirt. I mean, Christ. <laughs> and then he went off to, like, drink Rubinator Stout <laughs> angrily. Well, Uh, awesome. All right, we should probably break here. All right, we'll be back after this. Chris Paddock, will you you join us later on the program about Battlestar Galactica? Oh, yes, yes. Indeed. All right, back after this. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It is uh, Monday. We'll be back live around the corner. Don't go anywhere. It's 503-733-2970. Stay there. The Rick Emerson radio program it's 5037332970. Thank you for coming by. Uh, later on in this hour senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, coming up at noon our friend Todd Tulsis uh, will be uh, in the studio to uh, lay down some news uh, for y'all coming up later on, senior radio correspondent James Rube, Lisa Desjardin who I guess will be joining us in the one o'clock hour. We'll also be counting down the top five rock band songs uh, that are harder than they might be uh, than they might appear I guess on first. On first blush and by the way this is uh, this is chris gonna be putting this together because i have no because i have no not because i'm terrible at the game and i don't i i realized i got about five minutes into my first round of guitar hero about a year and a half ago and realized it was a thing at which i was never going to excel and I'm sort of, like, if I realize that there's no chance that I will ever become good at a game, then I just kind of pull the pin early on, and I decide, I opt out. It's like... That's uh,
3: how I am with first-person shooters.
2: Yeah, no, that... Yeah, I'm no good at you it. You don't get motion sickness, do you? No.
3: No, okay. I'm just I'm just not any good at it.
2: That's, well, you know, not everybody can excel at everything. You do have... Do you have Guitar Hero or Rock Band for the... Uh, what is it for the... Uh, I have
3: Guitar Hero World Tour. It's awesome.
2: But it's for your handheld, right? Yes,
3: it's for my DS. And it's the best thing ever. I do
2: have to... You're actually giddily shaking back and forth in place as you describe it, and it has like a whole, but it has like an attachment for yeah, doesn't it, where actually, you snap on like the keys or the whatever the the frets.
3: Well, with the with the DS, you actually have a Game Boy Advance cartridge, uh-huh. and that's where the handheld part of it goes for the actual the the frets and everything so you can do the notes and then the touch screen is where you strum
2: now it is actually a pretty great it's a great port for the game because they haven't lost anything it really is just and lot, i can
3: take it anywhere and
2: it, it's just a miniaturized version of the game because yeah. a lot of times if they, they they sort of reduce those games for handheld devices they have to strip out a lot of the gameplay components but that seems to be uh, it the seems only to have thing survived is, intact
3: is there is not as many ah. songs because i mean there's only so many songs you can fit on a little like inch by inch cartridge so
2: so wait you said this is uh this is Guitar Hero or rock band? Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero. Yeah. Is that the one that has the Dead Kennedys? Because there's some. One of the games has. Uh, I think it has Holiday in Cambodia or a California Uberalis or something. No, I think but it was it, Court that was telling me that. It
3: has Queen. Really? Yes.
2: Excellent. All right. Uh, we're joined today uh, by Kristen Bowie, Richie Bristol, Chris Paddock from Rock One KUFO. One K UFO. Hello. How do? By the way, before we go any further, and I really have time to talk about this now because so we got to talk about uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. So just from one nerd thing to another. Sure. I'll give a, a more of a, a complete recap later on, but uh, speaking of a, a first-person shooters, so I was here yesterday uh, watching some of the uh, rehearsals, uh, rehearsals for the upcoming uh, CBS Radio Theater performance, which is going to be this coming Sunday the 25th, uh, which will have The Adventures of the Crimson Mist and AZ, uh, nice. which is the, uh, the the zombie radio drama. And then I had to go home because my wife was having this sort of... Not like a dinner party as such where we're having another having another couple over because I'm yeah. old and lame and that's what you do. Um, but it was, I will say this, actually, it was pretty great. In my wife's defense, she put together a pretty great evening that uh, consisted of dinner followed by, I swear to God, Pie. no, like two hours of Left for Dead. Oh, because
7: <laughs> that's the best thing because, <laughs> ever.
2: Because the couple that came over, they're big Left for Dead fanatics <laughs> as well. So for adults, for grown people wow. sitting in a room, uh, consuming just a huge amounts of calories and then killing zombies for like two, two and a half hours. I've heard
3: hours. that game eats cool. your life.
2: It, it is like a time suck like you have never experienced. It's like your World of Warcraft, right? Dude, uh, yeah. See, and that's the thing that I can't get with. I can't. <laughs> I'm mean, I'm Pat Luter, the Rick Emerson does not pass judgment. I'm an in- we, you know we're an inclusive show here, but I can't get with the the role the role-playing games, even the online kind. I just that's, don't. Yeah, that's lame. I, I'm
6: sorry. Thanks. I'm not. No, no, Thank see, are you. you part of that? I'm you not saying. You? Of course. I I'm, I'm sorry. It that didn't is mean, all I didn't from no.
2: That is from Chris Paddock. I'm not saying it's lame. I'm just saying that it's a thing that doesn't. Here's the thing Give about me something to put me in the action. The, that see that's my thing. The thing about like World of Warcraft or EverQuest or I any of those games. I on there. But they, it just seems like a lot of work.
3: Yeah, it like really. It, is I mean, That's why I have a love-hate relationship with it. Every two or three months, I cancel my account. Then two months later, I'm like, well. Please I don't, don't take this the again.
2: wrong way. I don't mean any offense by this, which I know always prefaces something that's horribly offensive. Yes. So please don't be offended when I say. It seems like World of Warcraft and similar are for people without jobs, because it is
3: it, – which I'm not – <laughs> No, I'm not, it's completely true. I don't have the time to get to level
2: 80. But see, that's my thing, because yeah. I'm not saying – and I don't mean that in, like, a parent's basement comic book guy kind of way. I'm not, a, I'm not a snob about that. I'm just – it just seems like – because isn't, isn't a huge part of World of Warcraft – everybody thinks that it's about, like, raiding parties and, hey, we're going to go loot and pillage and burn down, like, the, the Visigoth, you know, you know, city or something. But isn't a lot of it, like – But first, I got to spend like nine years in a factory, like earning money to
6: buy a sword.
3: Exactly. So here's the thing: you can actually buy money online to buy swords. But that's cheating. But that's cheating.
6: But that's cheating. (laughs) That's like when I got the Dungeons and Dragons, though, like back in the day, and I got. I was like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons could be cool. That was out in
3: like the nineties, right?
6: uh, Eighties. I'm showing my age here. Uh, and I got the box from TSR, and then I, I realized it's just a box. It's There's just a, a bunch of... Where's graph- the board? Where are the game pieces? It's scrap paper and, like, those stubby pencils from the church collection <laughs> I box. Oh,
3: you mean the actual The actual okay, game. I, I,
6: I didn't want to, like, sit there and, and take notes. Well, World of Warcraft...
3: School? That's why I love D&D. It's awesome.
2: World of Warcraft, it seems to me, is what Dungeons & Dragons wanted to be. In other yes. words, when kids were playing D&D, which, again, I, I have many... I, look, I have many friends who are mm-hmm. D&D players. Um, but, but D&D was sort of... It was the best they could do with it. The time. I mean, it yeah. was. It wasn't the. But with World of Warcraft, it does seem like, don't you? I mean, unless you're going to sort of cheat and go on, you know, on eBay and like buy, buy, you know, stuff. Isn't a lot of the game where you literally your character is you are like well I got to go to work you know and you got to spend 8 hours like doing something like working to earn gold to buy like no, a flagon and you don't actually something.
3: have you don't actually have a job or anything you you do what's called grinding which is killing 10 of this 10 of this 10 of this and it gets tedious because here you have like a level in my case you have like a level 21 Torin warrior and here comes this wow. level 80 elf and he freezes you and then kills you and you have to start all over again. It happens so. to me all
2: the time. Yeah, I
6: hate sure. level eight elves. And
2: this is my <laughs> thing about first-person shooters: it's no backstory, no plot, no uh, yeah. no extraneous nothing. Just give me a gun and something that shoots.
6: Here's you know a something that you know. I'm just curious. What do people in World of Warcraft do on 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 this day of days where they have to do service? It's MLK Day. Are you asking if there's in game there, celebration? I'm wondering are they are taking a pause from World of Warcraft and possibly Typically, getting out? I, I, oh, they are.
3: Blizzard, the people who created World of Warcraft, actually coordinate the calendar within the game world with the actual world calendar, and they have like their own little celebrations on holidays. It's really kind of weird. Don't now. look at me, dude. That, that's like <laughs> having like the Ewok
6: celebration or something. It's pretty <laughs> often awesome. like get a some, jump oh, jump song.
3: Yeah. <laughs> at, at some point, there's like a fire celebration. And you dance around a fire. It's really kind of
6: that sounds bizarre. like Wiccan yeah. <laughs> or Lord of the
2: Flies. Well,
3: it all, it all takes place in like medieval times. Yeah. So. By
2: the way, were you here? I don't think I don't think you were in the studio that day. That we were reading the World of Warcraft lexicon. There was like a glossary <laughs> online. There was some World of Warcraft, and it wasn't done by a hater. Like it was some World of Warcraft fan yeah. that had posted like this is the official Word of World of Warcraft glossary. And the, the best part is that at one point they had to define real life. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the terms in the World of Warcraft gloss, glossary was RL and then parenthetically real life. Oh. And then the definition was like activities that are not World of Warcraft. <laughs> Such as... Which like,
3: that's how people who play World of Warcraft think. Okay. Their whole world wow. revolves around the game.
2: Let me ask you this, Kristen, uh, World of Warcraft uh, player. Uh, because here's the great thing about it is is that I know that... Like in the audience, it is evenly split probably between people who play something like World of Warcraft and people who don't. So we're sort of so we're hitting all the bases here. Um, There's a little World of Warcraft nomenclature quiz, Kristen Bowie. Okay. In the online World of Warcraft uh, lexicon, uh, what is the term used for when a player such as yourself, who is in front of the computer playing World of Warcraft, must take a break to go to the bathroom?
3: Ooh. Oh, that one? Maybe it's usually this... just BRB.
2: Okay, so there's, see, there's, there's, it would just be right back.
6: I, I don't accept that because that's not how you would speak. Now, see, online, middle earth, on, on this middle glossary, games. they
2: were claiming, they were claiming on this glossary that if you had to leave the, the game, you had to walk away from the keyboard to go eat or uh, relieve yourself. That...
3: And who uses the bathroom when they're playing video games anyway? Well,
2: they were saying Absolutely. that players would, okay, maybe this is for people who just spend their whole day in front of it, though, because they were saying that players would actually say, I'm sorry, I, I have to go bio- B-I-O. I've never oh, yeah.
3: seen anyone use it
2: really
6: playing for almost two years, okay well,
2: yeah. never mind. We'll see so maybe that's like maybe that's like the uh maybe that's like the great grunge uh lexicon swing yeah.
6: did it ever say something like you know, i gotta go drain the flogging no oh, okay, no no no, 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 just curious. Sorry, no. that went too far. <laughs> Sorry, if I, I were went you, too far, crickets. I
2: would devote the rest of the week to trying to get that phrase into circulation.
6: I'm going to. Right. I'm going to put it on the Aaron, make up a T-shirt. Aaron Geek in the City.
2: Anyway, so last night, so uh, so this couple came over last night, and uh, we, uh, uh, we we hung out. We had uh, also part of. Here's the thing. My wife probably wouldn't have meant this out loud. I think part of the reason that we had this couple over is because my wife has been remodeling the kitchen a little bit. Oh. But there's two things she doesn't have. She doesn't have a one of those. What are those? The stud locator, the thing that finds the studs the stud in the wall. The stud locator, the stud finder, and then she didn't have a level because oh. she's been trying to she's been trying to put up these this series of shelves in the kitchen, and she didn't have the stud finder or the level. And and the male half of this couple that we had over had both, Ooh. as well as this bitchin' Makita cordless drill that had nice. a flashlight on the end of it, so you could see where you you're really? doing. Really? So I suspect that that was about eighty percent cool. of the reason that we had uh, the couple over. But they came over. He does the work in the kitchen while she's making dinner, and then uh, we all had dinner, and then we played Left 4 Dead, which was great um and i have some larger point that i was leading up to but i but i will say that it, it is that it is a testament to that to, to left for dead which is this first person yeah. zombie shooter that watching somebody else play a video game is just the most tedious thing on earth <laughs> i mean it's just an exercise in excruciating boredom yeah. except for that game left for dead is actually great because if you die because it's you know you're in teams of four there's four survivors fighting the zombie apocalypse right. And if you die, the game will make you wait a certain amount of time before you sort of reanimate, you know, before you, you know, before your character comes back and gets another chance. And until then, you just sort of, you, you are just sort of in this third-person god perspective, watching the other players battle. And it actually is—it's uh, strangely gripping just to sit and watch the other players continue to slug it out. So. I don't—I—I
6: I, don't—I've never played this you game. The only thing I can relate to is maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game from Konami. It's exactly That's the like best that. Game ever. It was the best game ever. It is the best game. The
3: ever. technology might have actually kind of failed with the buttons and whatnot, yeah, but, but you could get around. I that. love
6: the story.
2: Um Subject line of this email: Panic is making my blood boil. Oh, uh, who, who? And then there's no further clarification. <laughs> I'm that's <sorry>. the, that's <laughs> the best thing about like, it. You know? There's no follow up about that's it. I'm sorry. Uh, all right, well, let's jump back in time uh, to Friday night Battlestar Galactica, which is uh, Friday night Court and Fat Boy at the Baghdad premiered uh, the first episode of the final ten. Yes. Basically. And so, uh, again, here, here, there be spoilers. So, proceed at your own risk. We're going to uh, give some things so away. Make your blood boil. So, so on Friday. A, D, uh, who was Leah Dama's ex, uh, shot herself in the head, which, yep. again, I saw coming a mile away. Even, because even if they hadn't spent a disproportionate amount of time on her, the fact that she did that whole thing of, like, because it's such a bleak program. That show is just, it's just like, one down ending after another. She's singing to herself. And then she's all happy. She's like, I'm covered in a golden glow. Yeah. I just want this feeling to last forever. And she's looking at a picture of her parents and a picture of her as a child. And she goes on a date. And it's like you just you immediately know that it's such a shift in tone. Yeah. She's going to cack herself, and of course she does, so she reaches for the gun and kills herself. Um, second thought about Friday's Battlestar Galactica. What's his name? Felix, who's missing the leg now? Oh,
6: yeah. Felix. By the way, I'm admiring Gata. the amazing special effect. How that they, they do How that? did they do Are they doing what they do with this Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan? That's, and all? Now, see, they don't have the budget for that. That's my thing with it's Felix. Incredible.
2: Felix Gaeta, who is missing his right leg now. It's off at of the knee, and so he's got the prosthetic, and you can tell it is a real prosthetic because it's not... It's not. It's not. It doesn't have the circumference of a regular leg. It's basically just like a rod that ends in a in a shoe. It's a rod that ends in a foot. So that is exactly my question. How are they? How are they getting rid of his leg? I can't believe that that show has the budget to CGI his leg away. I I
6: do have an issue. If the Cylons are so advanced, why don't they build him a robotic leg? That's another
2: question. That's okay. That's Skywalker. That's you know. That's also a really good question. Right. Uh So Ellen Ty. Colonel, uh, so Ed, the Exo's wife, Ty's wife, is revealed to be the, the allegedly revealed to be the fifth. You know, I, don't fifth Cylon. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Either. It seems like a red Yeah, it,
6: uh, it seemed so weird at the end of the episode that he came to this realization, and through the episode, everyone's realizing that they did live on Earth two thousand years ago before it was nuked. And he sit, he's holding her in the ocean. He adma- imagines it. He sees himself in the moment as they die, and she's explaining. You know, she says to him, "You know, I will be reborn." Right. Right. Well. Then he comes to the knowledge that she is the fifth. I don't believe that. And, and on that, on top of that, what's Starbuck? I I don't know. And I, I do have this. Don't get me wrong.
2: I like Battlestar Galactica. I really do. But there are moments when that show is just so ham fisted. When they just they. There's moments when Battlestar Galactica is written badly. You I just to. I have I have to say
6: it. I had to laugh at almost uh, in the uh, room when he was like, <laughs> not to steal something from uh, Fat Boy, but he was explaining how you know Shatner's acting his ass off in Wrath of Khan where he's like the most stupid Yeah. When when uh almost is standing over the body of D and having that right, freak out. Right,
2: right. It was really horrible. It it rang false. Yeah. It, it was uh, bad. That it, 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 so I mean that show is still leaps and bounds better than most things on television, but it's not I just, it's, it's not quite the flawless program that everybody else sort of wants it to be. Yeah. I mean, but, so they reveal that Ellen Ty is allegedly the fifth Cylon, which doesn't make and of course, in case you didn't get the point, they actually have Ty say it out like, Ellen, you're the fifth Cylon?
3: <laughs> How could you like, borrow any Like, there's any
2: casual viewer of Battlestar Galactic at this point who might have just blundered by on their way to watch Battledome and decided just to stop. Wait, what's this program that seems impenetrable? I'll, I'll watch it. I mean, everybody who's watching, there are no more... Casual fans of Battlestar Galactic at this point. If you are watching, it's because you're a hardcore fan, so you, they don't need to say things like that out loud.
6: I think that they're trying to say those things out loud because they realize that there's probably a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon,
2: and that they took like nine years between uh, yes.
6: seasons. Well, those was so. a writer strike fault. Uh, so I got
2: a couple of things. One, there's no way she's the final silent. That's a yeah, red herring. I agree with that. Secondly, uh, so they, they they finally they did they find Earth. And they discover all of these uh, Cylon remains and all these bones, and they test the bones, and the bones themselves are Cylon. Right. And so everybody on the planet, even those who had actual skeletons, turn out to have been Cylon. And so I got two predictions. Uh, prediction number one, Earth is not the 13th tribe. Earth is, in fact, the first tribe. And, in fact, everybody, they're not trying to get to Earth. Everybody was escaping from Earth. Yes. And that they are going in cycles. They leave Earth. They go out and then they, uh, They're trying and then they to try warn to warn the back. other
6: tribes not to go to Earth.
2: Well, or this. See, and here's the thing the Battlestar Galactica is so heavily, uh, rooted in Mormon theology. Mm-hmm. There's so many parallels. There's so many, because, of course, uh, because Glenn Larson, uh, you know, is very, you know, he's, he's, you know, LDS. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's been, how, uh, in Mormon theology, um, God lives on a planet called Kolob, as opposed to Kobol. Okay. Uh, in the Mormon Church, and the Mormon Church, the hierarchy is structured very much, sort of like a corporation. But in the Mormon Church, there is the president, who is also a prophet, who speaks to a quorum of the twelve. And of course, on Battlestar Galactica, the president, who is also a prophet, speaks to the quorum of the twelve. So I mean, it's there's, the Mormon analogs in that show are very heavy. But in Mormon theology, there is this theory that you are here on life, you're here in life to to try to achieve perfection. And once you achieve perfection, you will ascend to the next level. Of, of sort of, of Godhood, and so my, my theory about Battlestar Galactica is that Earth is the first uh, tribe. Everyone leaves Earth, they go out, but they're, they are constantly repeating everything. In other words, they leave Earth, then they come back to Earth, then they leave Earth again, and they 're doing it over and over Rotomaria and over again until they can find a way to exist without blowing it up. Because that's, Earth, you know, there was a nuclear holocaust and everyone died. So my theory is they have to repeat it over and over again until they get it right and they don't end everything with war.
6: So there will be no time travel to lean on on this no. program. No. Thank no God. Th- no time travel as such. Or it's, thank God.
2: It's just that the whole thing is working in a circle. And they got to do it perfectly once before they can achieve nirvana or transcendence. It's like Groundhog
6: Day. Or, yeah, exactly. So in that
2: way it's like a Buddhist sort of a thing. Oh, interesting. Uh, I never
6: even looked at Groundhog Day as a Buddhist uh, Allegory, but now I do.
2: My second prediction is this. So because they find all these Cylon remains and all these bones on Earth, I have like maybe, I don't know, like 40 to 50 percent chance here that we're going to find out that humans did not create Cylons. Cylons actually bred humans as slaves.
6: I like that theory And then the
2: humans were actually escaping Earth to get away from their Cylon captors. And, 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 they, and the
6: humans were the ones that destroyed exactly the planet. Because then it's like everything you thought you knew is wrong. And it's Starbuck that's, uh, you know, she's the great destructor. But please do something with her, I don't know please. Because I, I want about. Starbuck to be crazy again, or I, not be so crazy, but be cool. And she's getting all wacko. I have no, I have no
2: idea. I don't know what the deal is with Starbuck. I just, as long as she doesn't have any more visions, I just don't. It's like you're done with the visions. I got so. Here's my thing about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, and then we'll, and then we'll, we'll. Right, then, we'll wrap it it, then we'll get Star. back to World of Warcraft. Nerd talk. Um, the, my thing about Battlestar Galactica is, again, it's. it's I say all this with respect. Uh, it's a great show. It really is. It's not a perfect show. So I say all this with the caveat that it is really. It really is. It's. It's exceptional television mm-hmm. most of the time. But there was like, uh, like around I don't know, uh, like maybe about halfway through the through the third season, and especially the first half of the fourth season, it's like they just started to, they started to take all of their own press about it being a religious allegory and about it being deep and having all right. this philosophical symbolism. They just started taking it way too seriously. And so then everything on the show had to have this really heavy handed religious allegorical component to it, like Baltar.
6: It's turned into kinda of like one of those unauthorized books that you would get like the hidden meaning of Lord well, of the Rings. Battlestar
2: Galactica and philosophy. Yeah. Which does exist by the way. And oh, I, I believe that. It's they've become that because what's really compelling to me is the idea of just a whole bunch of people in a confined space for five years, slowly going nuts. You know, it's like the battle fatigue, the ongoing post-traumatic stress syndrome making. There's this great sequence, by the way, on Friday's Battlestar Galactica, where uh, where Adama, General uh, Amber James, almost as Adama is drunk, and he's walking off towards Ty's quarters to try to pick a fight with him. <laughs> And he's, like, got a bottle of Yukon Jack or something in his hand. He's, like, staggering down the hallway. And and it's just chaos. There's, like, guys punching each other in the face. And people slumped over in the corners. And there's, you know, the frack earth graffiti. Right. And um, it's just... Like I like that whole sort of take on it. Everybody's cool. slowly going nuts. People
6: are going mad in space. Yeah, and, yeah. That's...
2: I don't need to see Baltar shirtless, surrounded by a bunch of nubile chicks. They're uh, kind of done with that. He like, got the lab coat back hey, huh? Giving him a waxing or something. I just, uh, I'm done. I'm Let's with not that.
6: do that in no. the next episode, please. All right. Uh, predictions, observations. Um, predictions. The uh, that we will find out. I, this is my theory that everyone is Cylon on the ship. Everyone, everywhere. Everyone. Yes, they are all Cylons. If you notice. Rosalind found a flower that somehow she felt a connection to on planet Earth. Duala found that Locket and the Jacks, mm-hmm. which I believe belonged to her.
2: So everyone is a Cylon. Yes. Alright. There you go. That's Chris. We'll Pattis see how that prediction. goes. Hispanic, ladies and gentlemen. That's me. All right, I believe this is Steve Kastamon, I'm Kristen. So what we'll do is we'll roll right into Steve Kastamon, then we'll take a break. We'll come back after this uh, with Todd Tulsis, who will be uh, joining us at the news desk today. Later on, Jim Roop, Lisa Desjardins, and the top five uh, rock band songs that are much more difficult to perform than one might anticipate based on hearing them. Ladies and gentlemen, from New York City... CNN Radio correspondent Steve Castenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. How you doing? I am uh, fantastic, brother. How was your weekend?
5: Uh, pretty good. Uh, well, well, kind of a working weekend, but it was good.
2: All right. Uh, the, hey, by the way, so I got to say this: um, th- th- that footage you sent me of this plane crashing in the Hudson River is unbelievably creepy.
5: I oh, mean, you know, I'm having a little hard time hearing you over my theme. Oh, music. I'm
2: sorry. Can we drop, so Kristen? Can we drop the uh, music there. Is it, It's off. Is it off? Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're. Something feeding the phone.
5: There we go. Something All was right. feeding the phone. Yes.
2: There we go. All right. Sorry about that. Um. Anyway, so we said that that footage you sent me of the plane lash, uh, landing in the Hudson River is unbelievably creepy.
5: I told you last week, right, that there had to be some cameras rolling out there that captured it, and lo and behold, there is some security uh, video camera footage of the plane passing by some piers yeah. uh, as it crashes into the Hudson.
2: And I mean, it's you know what makes it sort of unnerving is the fact that there isn't any. Like there's no, you know, because it's not a report. It's just raw video. There's no wraparound reporting. There's no narration. There's no the audio of any kind. It is just this one static security camera shot with then the plane coming in from the right hand side and then into the water. And it's just, I mean, just watching it, it's made my hair stand on end. It. it really is. It really is terrifying because you can sort of intellectually get. They're like, hey, here's this huge plane that came out of the sky and had to hit the water. But then when you watch it, it just uh, it, it's an altogether different experience. So that's posted at uh, RickEmerson.com. The link to that, if people want to watch it. So this is this. I mean, are we operating under the assumption this is the first of several of these videos that will inevitably surface?
5: I I'm um, gonna take a leap of faith and say yes. I mean, there has to be other video out there.
2: So uh, what is up with the pilot of this plane? Has anybody heard from him yet?
5: You know, we just had a release from the pilots' union and the uh, flight attendants' union, a joint statement saying that uh, they recognize the public's desire to hear from them and they recognize the media's interest. But at this point, uh, while while they are thankful for the overwhelming support, uh, they will not be giving any interviews while the NTSB investigation is ongoing, at least until further notice.
2: All right, and because I mean that's you know that's the thing that everybody's sort of waiting for is to, you know, to see what this guy uh, this guy says. But at this point, at this point, I would almost recommend if I were the, if I were this guy's friend or his, you know, he's he's kind of an agent or something at this point, I would almost just recommend that he never give any interviews ever. Right. Uh, just stay out of the public eye for the rest of his life, and then Salinger style, his legend grows. <laughs>
5: You're right. You know, I don't understand why they're, why they're uh, you know, taking this measure because over the weekend, the NTSB, in a preliminary investigation, said everything corresponded with what we thought happened here and what the pilot said. You know, they, they've listened to the flight cockpit recorder. They've taken a look at the flight d- data recorder. And everything uh, jives with the pilot and co-pilot's accounts of what happened uh, on this flight. Uh, in their interviews with NTSB investigators. So um, I'm not so sure what the concern is here. I guess there's always, you know, a, a legal uh, ramifications for, for saying something that you shouldn't have said, and you could put yourself in, in some sort open yourself up in some way to some sort of legal action. But, I mean, in this case, I mean, it's – I don't know. I haven't seen anybody who has said that this guy isn't a hero, you know?
2: Right, right. Um, and it, it, so they they finally – they got the plane out of the water. Uh, finally, right? They they did some. where they towed it, or they had a what? Is like a crane? What is that? How do they how do they handle something like that?
5: It's pretty amazing that they were able to get uh, a crane that's uh, on a barge into New York Harbor near where the plane was moored within about four hours of it arriving. Uh, within about four hours of the plane being moored in, in downtown Manhattan, and it was there for a while. and they brought in a barge, a flat barge, and then over the weekend they very slowly lifted the plane out of the water one foot at a time, raising it one foot at a time, uh, so the water would drain out of it slowly. Uh, Their concern was that they didn't want to do it too quickly uh, for fear that the wings might uh, crack open, and then all of a sudden you have uh, thousands and thousands of pounds of jet fuel leaking out into the Hudson River.
2: Oh, creepy. Unbelievably creepy. Um, Let's see. This is kind of a busy day for everybody here, but very quickly, I wanted to ask you something about, um, I think – it was Friday or Thursday or something that I did, whatever it was the last time we talked. I meant to ask you about uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations, oh, which, yeah. which you were covering. And we never got a chance. If there was something else that happened that was in the news. It might have been this plain thing. But um, so it, it, I, I don't even – every year I make this vow that I'm not going to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. And every year I break that vow. Uh, what I've been able to do though is I've reached this I've reached this sort of agreement within myself that at the very least I won't get irritated about it because I will I no longer have any sort of personal investment or emotional attachment to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, and the uh, pack of nitwits that runs that place. I mean I used to get I used to get like all cranked up about it like I used to just sit and just sort of seed myself into a froth uh, every year about the bands that were overlooked. So, so much so that actually this year I don't even know who's going to be inducted. I couldn't. You put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you who's going to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year.
5: Well, you, you could say the bands are overlooked, but it's really like more like they're parsing out the bands because you know they don't want to do all the good bands in the first you know five or ten years, right. or, and, and then have nothing left to keep your interest down the road. So uh, Metallica is uh, going to be in, um, inducted into the hall this year. Uh, we've got Jeff Beck as a solo and collaborative artist. You know he's already in the hall as a guitarist uh, for the Birds, but now he is going in uh, as you know for his work outside of that band. Uh, you, you know the song that plays in Risky Business as Tom Cruise is taking the dad's Porsche yes. out, out for a drive. That, that slow driving. That's a that's a song that he that, that's performed by Jeff Beck. It's called The Pump.
2: Jeff Beck is a, Jeff Beck is an amazing guitar player. He really is. He's one of those. Uh, Jeff Beck is um I'm trying to think of somebody to compare him to but Jeff Beck is sort of the he is the the what is a third wheel third gear there's a third something or other fifth wheel whatever yeah. he's he's sort of the, but he's the one that people kind of forget about the band you're thinking of is the Yardbirds
5: The Yardbirds, I'm sorry, did I say The Birds?
2: Yeah, The Yardbirds. The Yardbirds, sorry. And here's why The Yardbirds are a really important band, in case case nobody, nobody really realizes it. The Yardbirds are like one of those TV shows that is notable because like 15 different famous actors came off of it. The Yardbirds produced Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck. Right. Which is, you know, pretty astounding when you think about it. And of course, you know, Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page went off to be huge, and Jeff Beck less so. But still, Jeff Beck is one of those guys... He is one of those, and by the way, I'd like to uh, point out everybody uh, sort of uh, tracking the show at home that, yes, we have, in fact, gone from uh, Left for Dead zombie killing to World of Warcraft to Battlestar Galactica to Jeff Beck. So yeah. we're covering all the nerd bases today. But Jeff Beck is one of those guitar players that other guitar players always latch onto. Uh, they're always like, yeah, Jeff Beck, man, he's really, he's got amazing tone uh, when he plays. And also he built his first guitar out of pieces of scrap lumber. So, you know, you got to like that guy.
5: Yeah, a lot of... um. Guys, uh, the guitarist uh, from Queen, Brian May, didn't he build his first guitar with his dad?
2: Probably. Uh, Yeah. A lot of those guys, uh, Bo Diddley's the same way. You look at Bo Diddley, he had that big square guitar that he would play, and it's because he built it himself. Yeah. Mm. So Um,
5: So also on the list, uh, Little Anthony and the Imperials. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Bobby Womack. I challenge you to come Bobby up with Bobby Womack. I challenge you to come up with a song that Bobby Womack has written.
2: I don't know if Chris Paddock were here, he could do it, but I don't care enough. Yeah, yeah, okay. right.
5: And and now keeping up with this uh new tradition of each year having a sort of non rock artist inducted into the hall, we've got Run D M C.
2: Well see, year. but that's but see that's fine, because Run D M C is for all intents and purposes, run D M C is a rock act. Um, I mean, if you listen to just the, just the tone and the vibe and just the general elan of their of uh-huh. their performances, Run DMC is. I mean, Drum Machine or not, Run DMC is essentially a hard rock band. I mean, that's a, just a, maybe of the same in the same way that the Beastie Boys are kind of a hard rock band for much of their you right. know, for a lot of their recordings. And, and by the way, it, you know, it, and, and, and there's going to be any number of you know people will squeal about Run DMC being it's not a real band. As opposed to... God, who was that band that they put in? I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of... See, here I'm getting all angry about it again. That's why I can't let myself think about it too much. <laughs> who was it that they put in a couple of years with, like, Sheik or somebody? It was it like Nile Rodgers and Sheik? Oh, yeah. Don't what, get me wrong. Was it Sheik I, or was I, it... Um... I, 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 I'm pretty sure it was Sheik. And I... It, Look! Look! I love I love Nile Rodgers and Chic. I really do. Not not a rock band. Not in any way. Uh, see also Madonna, who I think got in a couple of years ago.
5: Yeah. Um, she. Uh, you know. Yep. She was in there. Uh, was it last, I think it was last year yeah, that she so, got. in. I mean, really, the,
2: everybody at this point ought to just, you know, everybody at this point ought to just sort of, uh, you know, just 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 agree to let the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kind of kind of do their thing off in a corner, and we should. You know, and just sort of avert her eyes, and if we sort of look away for 15 minutes, maybe they'll maybe they'll go away. So.
5: And they're actually holding the induction ceremony this year in Cleveland for the first time. You know,
2: and can I tell you this? Here's the thing: I mean, growing up as a big rock fan, everybody knows me. I'm a big music dork. I have never it, it felt in any way, just even the slightest uh, compulsion to go and see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've never felt even the slightest urge to go there, because apparently I read, there's a guy named Jim uh, Derogato, who is a music columnist, and he wrote this book called Milk It, which was all a big, sort of a summation of 90s music culture. But he wrote this great essay about going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it was about what a, just a totally sterile and underwhelming experience it is. And he said that the the, the the sort of the centerpiece, the uh, you know the the, the, uh, the whatever the, the sanctum sanctorum of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. You go to this sort of big like double helix kind of staircase, and you climb all the way up, and then at the top, which is at the very top, like the actual centerpiece of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is this display that shows you the names of all of the inductees. And right. apparently, it's just like basically a big wall that has small little glass plaques that just say like you know. John Bellingham and then like, you know, and then you're done at the end and then you buy a shirt on the way out and wish you'd done something better with your life. So that's terrible.
5: So, you know, I would want like some sort of 3D sculpture that includes like, you know, the, the instruments that the Who would smash on stage and, and a guitar that Jimi Hendrix set on fire. and That is a great idea. And, and like the Rickenbackers that, uh, that that the Beatles played on. You know, like some, like some sort of 3-D sculpture like that, you know? Keith Moon's drum kit all broken up. Let you me know? just
2: say this. See, somebody ought to create a sort of like a people's rock and roll. Because the, the, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Famous as it stands out just seems so unbelievably snobby and pretentious and just and exclusionary in the way that only like Baby Boo can really be exclusionary about rock. I mean, it's like, it's like the... The, like the the only
3: ones that know real rock, rock. No,
2: no, no, you weren't there. You didn't dance naked in the mud at Woodstock. You don't get it, you <laughs> kids, with your Blink-182. Like, Blink 182 like
3: rock your... ended at Woodstock. Exactly. No, <laughs> right. no,
2: it's Like as soon as Baba O'Reilly came out, suddenly nothing good could ever be released ever again. No, 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 it's, you weren't there. You didn't see
5: Melanie yeah. sing
2: Candles in the Rain. You yeah, know? Um,
5: yeah. In that case, you know what else they would put in that my 3D sculpture? They would put in like a porto potty from Woodstock. See, you know?
2: somebody ought to do. I'm surprised that somebody hasn't done a sort of competing rock and roll hall of fame. And I mean, I guess maybe there are maybe likeness issues or estate issues or whatever, but it, it, it does seem like there ought to be. You know what they. Oh, here's a great idea, Steve Kastenbaum. How many times a month do you suppose you hear me say, here's a great idea?
5: Uh, it's almost a daily occurrence now.
2: By the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland, and I'm with the fact that we're just going to have to roll through this segment. Um, here's <laughs> here's a great idea. Here's what somebody ought to do, and by somebody I mean, I don't know, like a Paul Allen type, because he runs this thing called the Experience Music Project in Seattle, which really is righteous. The Experience Music Project in Seattle, I get the feeling is, I mean, I've been there, and I get the feeling it is what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wants to be. You go there, and it is clearly put together by somebody who just loves music and did this for its own sake. Um, somebody ought to put together a Hall of Fame for bands that have been unfairly overlooked or excluded from Damn. the actual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
5: Ooh, and you know who would be a great CEO of a museum like that? Gene Simmons. Uh, I was going to say Stephen Van Zandt.
2: Or so Stephen gonna... Van Zandt.
5: Because he's got that garage rock show right. that he that he has uh, syndicated. Right, yeah,
2: right. So I just said that somebody ought to put together. But see, Gene Simmons could do it, and he would make it into a money making enterprise. That's, the that's thing true. He'd, know, he'd know how to do it right and how to make uh, money on. it. Because of course, Kiss isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, you know, they're just, not yet. No. See, and Where that's the, and that see that's the thing. Everybody has that reaction every time I say you know Kiss is I had a guy. Uh, there was an AE here, one of our sales guys, Tony Howard, who's a big uh, music nerd, and we were. Here's what dorks we are. So we were off the other night watching an all-girl uh, AC/DC tribute band. Because <laughs> we're great and lame, um, and we were actually so into it that there were like these. Uh, there was like these trashy girls that were sort of in the balcony with us, and they kept trying to do this like low, low-grade like striptease to get our attention, and huh. and was like we were so into the band that there was this <laughs> there was this great hilarious moment at one point of a girl. Doing kind of like a like a like a bump and grind dance, but then if you look, it's like Tony and I craning our necks to see around her because we were busy watching the bass player or something. So, <laughs> but um, but we were talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I was saying like I'm here's that I don't know that ACDC is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I think they are. Um, but but I you know, but we were talking about Kiss and best concerts ever and like best hard rock albums of all time or whatever, and I made the observation that Kiss isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he had the great dude response of, no way. And I said, no, completely. They're not. He goes, dude, you're, you're kidding. No way. And I had to, like, go look it up and show him that Kiss is not, in you know, the most influential American band of all time, uh, not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So there you go. That's all you need to know right there. Crazy. All right. Also not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Cheap trick. Also, Alice Cooper. So also we'll get Black
3: motor
5: Sabbath. At some point.
2: Motorhead. Uh, did they
3: let Black Sabbath in?
2: I don't know. I think at one point they might have, but I know at one point Ozzy Osbourne had just actually asked him to take them off the list. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, take, just like, take us off the voting list. Sold it. All right. Uh, well, and this is all true. Okay, uh, you're going to be at the inauguration, are you not?
5: No, I'm going to be uh, at a viewing uh, oh. event in Harlem. Well, I didn't mean to
2: bring up some sort of a painful exclusion there. I'm sorry. Oh, no,
5: I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy that uh, I'm not down there only because it looks like a commuting hell at in Washington. And
2: 18 D. degrees, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That's without windshield, by the way, 18 degrees. And I don't know what they were doing uh, there yesterday at the mall or whatever. Is it at the mall? Yes. So I don't know what they were doing there yesterday, but they were doing some dry run of something or other. Some it might have been an MLK thing, and they were some sort of gathering. And on the news, all they were saying is like it's it's been a disaster. Nothing works. The subways are crowded. All the toilets are overflowing, and it's too freaking cold. And that was like one fifth of the crowd they're expecting for tomorrow. So uh, it does seem like it's going to be an exciting time for everybody.
5: You, I wonder if uh, porto potties have a a temperature at which you know the uh, the chemical that they use freezes. You should look into like, that. Or is it like antifreeze?
2: I don't know. I mean, you got to figure at some point freezing could only help those things. Do you know what I mean?
5: Mm. All right. It's on that note, my
2: friend, uh, so you will be on tomorrow, so we will probably uh, have speaks with you on Tuesday then.
5: Sure. Uh, um, yes, I will definitely talk with you guys from Harlem.
2: All right, my friend. Uh, have a good day. We will talk to you tomorrow, sir.
5: Take care. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum,
2: ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hold on. Richie Bristol, is Todd Toltis here? <laughs> well, I feel like an ass. Can you uh, have him come in? Thank you. All right. I feel like an ass. Richard, get me an ass. Right. Uh, hello. Let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program, our good friend, Todd Tulsas, Uh joining us now at the news. Todd, how are you today, sir? i the Rick. How you doing? I'm fine. Sorry, we're running a little late here. I didn't realize it was so, uh, I didn't realize it was so, uh, it was so, uh, we were so late today. So, uh, thank you for coming in today. How was your weekend? How are things? Oh, my weekend was great. Thank you so much. You really yeah. do have a golden voice. Your voice is like a, you, you know, what your voice, you are, your voice is the, um. Your voice is the sort of aural equivalent to swaddling clothes. Oh, I feel as though I'm being wrapped in just a, uh, just a warm covering of golden goodness when you speak, Todd.
8: Careful how you use that phrase, golden goodness.
2: I'm, that, just, you know, I'm just saying you have, a, you have a warm yet crisp timbre to your voice. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Uh, yeah,
8: the weekend was good. I, uh, we went up skiing yesterday. You know, uh, I'm sort of a winter sports enthusiast. Are, are you a winter sports
2: enthusiast? I'm not an anything sports enthusiast. Really? No. I have uh, I have so little sport. You could fit all of my sports interest and/or ability inside the navel of a flea. Oh man! Uh, so I have with room left over for a caraway seed. I have nothing. I have nothing in the way of sports interest or ability. Which is not like I'm not like I'm anti sport. It's just not a. You know what it is? I don't know if you know this about Richie Bristol. now. Richie, and this is not a joke. Richie has no sense of smell. What? Uh, there was a he had a there was an accident with some chemicals when he was younger, and so he doesn't have it damaged his olfactory receptors, so he can't smell anything at all. I didn't know that. Well. We knew it uh, when we noticed that he was wearing way too much cologne every day. This is a long time ago. And we we finally asked him, like, why are you wearing so much cologne? He's like, oh, I don't want to because I guess he'd gone to a radio station event when he was at Intercom, and he had not bathed, but didn't know that he had uh, some body odor. A listener had complained to Intercom, who then scolded Richie, who then started to put on huge amounts of cologne every day. Uh, Overcorrecting. Yeah, he was like, uh, you know, want to be on the safe side, better douse myself in Drakkar. And... So he has no sense of smell. Blah blah blah. He has no sense of smell. I have no sense of sport, uh, which is why I spent 25 minutes talking about Battlestar Galactica and World of Warcraft. So the answer to your question is no. Okay, I got it. I got it. Anyway, but uh, but you're here and you're safe and the uh, you know and you uh, you yeah, survived. Yeah, and happy Martin Luther King Day to you and Christina, well. who I haven't seen
8: in a long time. How are you? I'm
3: Kristen. doing well. How are
8: you? Yeah, we haven't seen each other since.
3: Question. Uh,
8: uh, clear channel, days.
2: All right. What time is it? Uh, All right. So let's uh, do this. I'm going to get a couple of emails here. We will probably kick things off to a couple of stories. And then as we head toward the uh, bottom, we will uh, take a break. By the way, so uh, just to touch back one one final time on one of our previous discussions, I'm now only getting two kinds of email. Uh, Email number one says something like, Dear God, this is the geekiest thing I've ever heard. This is what happens when Sarah isn't on the program. It just degenerates into one big nerd fest. For the love of Christ, talk about something that doesn't have to do with science fiction. How about this? Then we get this one. Hey, about World of Warcraft, you're totally right about the bio thing. I hear it all the time. Like
3: Maybe it's on vent then.
2: What? (laughs) What does that mean?
3: Vent is, okay, so when you're... In a group, and you're pillaging and running around and destroying stuff. Vent is where you wear the headset and you can talk to them verbally versus chat.
2: Oh, now why don't you just call it a headset? Is vent like World you know, of Warcraft? Is what
3: it is. Is
2: it? It's a program.
3: I, it's a program site thing that I never use it.
2: Let me ask you this question. I was at Fry's Electronics the other day, and is it true that they make it? It seemed to me that they make now like a specialty computer keyboard that is just for World of Warcraft.
3: That wouldn't surprise me at all.
2: Yeah, it was like at all. It was about half the size of a regular keyboard, and it was sort of shaped like one of those ergonomic jobs that Mm -hmm. sort of like bent in the middle, but it looked like it was a keyboard just for playing World of Warcraft.
3: It wouldn't surprise me. I think I've seen those, actually, where it's just like you don't have all the keys, just the ones that you need. Yeah, Yeah. it's
2: sort of amazing. Anyway, uh, this guy says, I hear bio all the time. Somebody will say BRB, BIO, for instance. It's much more pleasant than saying you're going to the bathroom. At least those you're gaming with can pretend you're getting a drink or something. Uh, Anyway, I work full time and I run a guild of my own with plenty of free time. Uh, there are times you have to save just an obscene amount of in-game money or items to get something, but I don't think the creators intended people to do these things in a single sitting. Uh, those that do are people without jobs. So there you go. So that's the, uh, that's the clarification. Uh, Jen, apparently a girl, emails in and says, About Warcraft, I am playing Warcraft as we speak, Rick, and taking notes on it. I am lame. Uh, let's see. And uh, let's see. One more here. We've got this. About World of Warcraft. Uh, Kristen, another woman named Kristen says, "World of Warcraft do World of Warcraft players do in fact say AFK BIO, which is away from keyboard bathroom in other words. Wow, not saying it's cool, just saying they do. Best show ever, uh, Kristen. So there you go. Well, maybe it depends on what." Maybe, like, is, is this sort of like a different parts of the country have different kinds of uh, dialects or something? Is it possible that different factions of World of Warcraft have different lingo?
3: Yeah, yeah, completely. All right,
2: I'm just saying, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. All right. Let's never talk about this again. Uh, do we have the uh, the new news opener? All right, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Ladies and well, gentlemen, now, there we go. Thank you. From All right. the CBS Radio Center in downtown Thank Portland. you for punting. This is I choking news. on something there.
2: Here is our good friend Todd Tulsis at the news desk on this MLK Day. Hello, sir.
8: Thank you, Rick. Good morning to you. Good morning, actually. Good afternoon, Christina. How are you doing? Good. Kristen. Uh, Kristen. Big winds in East County and Portland metro areas down power lines. Trees, fences caused lots of property damage, but no injuries. Areas of Gresham still being smacked by 40-mile-an-hour winds. Corbett reached gusts of up to 70 miles an hour yesterday. About 6,000 people without power this morning. In fact, Gresham firefighters answered about 100 calls for down power lines just yesterday. It was
2: like the third day in a row, too. Yes. It was that thing where you start to wonder, like you get those paranoid thoughts uh, late at night, like 2 a.m., where you're laying there in bed and you're hearing the house go, Arr! and you start to wonder if whoever designed the home really created it with such integrity that it could withstand multiple days of 60-mile-an-hour winds, and exactly. at what point the nails just start to break through the old wood. Now,
8: when you're in bed at night, and you know your house or your apartment well enough to know what is a natural occurring sound. Yes. You know, for example, pets moving around or, you know, just, or just natural squeaks and clicks or bumps or something, and something that is unnatural, you know, like rats running right. through your vents under the house, for example. Uh, so you know right away whether something is a, a, you know, a naturally good omen and sort of one of these things that makes you feel good about your home or something that makes you
2: panic. There's comforting noises, and then there are unfamiliar noises. Exactly. And an unfamiliar noise at noon is fine. Unfamiliar noise, 2 a.m., immediately you think it's a guy outside with a chainsaw. Right. In fact, during, the wind was actually rattling our bedroom window. And here's the thing is I keep, like in our house, the hotter it gets, the more likely the bedroom window is closed because we were in the air conditioner. Right. Uh, because I'm an American, and to be an American is to air condition. Uh, but the colder it gets, the more I leave the window open. Because, And I think this is maybe a male-female thing. I don't really know. But I have this theory. I really would like to see actually some sort of scientific analysis of the male-female room temperature dynamic. Because... I mean, I, if I can just generalize, and I know there are exceptions, but I'm saying generally speaking, chicks have got this thing where it's never warm enough for some reason. I don't know what the hell that's all about. I, I, I mean, I'm always I, cold. That, see, but, but, but why? Why is that? I don't, I don't get the deal there, especially because women. Okay, for, the women have, uh, they have bosoms and so forth, and so I would, you know, it seems like, it seems like by by definition, every woman everywhere on earth. Has at least you know a little extra insulation there, you know what I'm saying? I thought that's where you were going with. No, that. I'm just saying yeah. like if nothing else, but it, but women are always cold. No matter it could be 98 degrees in the room. It, can you just turn it up a little bit? I'm just I'm feeling a little chilly, you know. And whereas guys always want it to be about 64 degrees, which mm-hmm. is what I do. So when it gets to be wintertime like now, bedroom window open all the way at night, um, you know. And then we got like multiple you know we get the, the, the stacks of blankets and so forth. Because that to me. That is, that is the prescription for a sound night's sleep, where it's ice cold in the room, but then the bed itself is really, you know, you get a lot of covers, so it's all very warm in the bed and whatever.
8: See, my fiancée is Cindy Green, who, who's a huge fan of yours. She is the
2: exception to that rule. She, like me, likes it a brisk 64. That's what I'm saying right there. That's how the room's got to be. So I have the window open, but of course, then the result of that is that the, the wind is coming in and it's creating this weird pressure thing with the window is rattling. And I think twice in the last two nights, Laura has woken up, she goes, is somebody crawling in the window? Like an oddly specific question. And, of course, no one ever is. It's just a window rattling. But but she'll sit straight up in bed at like 3 a.m. and go, is somebody crawling in the window? Which is an unnerving thing to be asked at about 3 a.m. When I am also not, like your brain isn't firing on all cylinders at that point. So it's all very strange. One final uh, note on this. So just as when you're, you know, the, the, the wind is shaking the house for the third night of the row and you're, you're sitting there going, I wonder if at some point the roof is just going to come off. Right. Here's another time when you have a thought like that. Have you ever been in a huge? You're a sports fan, Todd Tolset. Sure. Have you ever been in a uh, like a stadium, uh, you know, for a show or for a, you know, but like a like a big stadium, like 50, like the kingdom, like a 60,000 you know seat stadium, and you're there for a concert or for a game, and like you have this thing in the back of your head of like. I wonder if the engineers really anticipated 60,000 people all stomping their feet simultaneously to we will rock you over and over and over again right. for 35 minutes.
8: In addition to ear-splitting
2: decibels,
8: totally. amplified sound reinforcement gear blowing uh, vibrations into the concrete and rebar at the same
2: time. God, I remember being there. I, I saw, um, like a lot of people in the Northwest, I, in 92, I guess it was, I saw Guns N' Roses and Metallic at the Kingdom. It was 85,000 people, I think. And I remember the house music between Motorhead and Metallica was, one of the songs was We Will Rock You. And so, of course, what do 85,000, you know, stoned rock fans do? We Will Rock You just, you know, the dun-dun-dun. And so 85,000 people taking their
0: feet and boom-boom-boom.
2: And I remember just sitting there looking around, and it was like you could hear the concrete crumbling underneath your feet. And I was already seeing the headlines of, you know, historic Seattle landmark crumbles, thousands killed inside, you know, while Queen blares in
8: background. Right. So Years before it was actually scheduled to crumble. Exactly. Yeah. All right, here's Todd Tulsis with the news. Yeah, well, uh, tomorrow, is president-elect Barack Obama's inauguration, some two million people may attend, braving chilly temperatures and a critical lack of porta-potties. Today is also the Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. The civil rights leader, uh, as being ob- his birthday is observed today. He would have been 80 years old today, and it's also the National Day of Service. President-elect uh, Barack Obama has asked everyone, all Americans, to uh, go out and give service to our nation in some capacity, uh, perhaps um, donate time, volunteer, give blood to help the homeless, read to kids at the library. Um, Nobody's
2: going to do any of these
8: things. Maybe not. Uh, I thought I might pop over to the... Uh, uh, to the Red Cross after I knock out of here and uh, give him a pint.
2: Are you really going to do that? Well,
8: why not? I get a free cookie out of it. Fair enough.
2: <laughs> Spoken like a true American.
8: President-elect, uh, um, echoing President-elect Obama's call to service, current President Bush has asked everyone to go shopping.
2: I, uh, by the way, we are uh, we are here. Uh, our day of service is providing amusements uh, to people far and wide across this fruited plain of our mm-hmm. and so forth. By the way, it is 2009. I do wish we could find a phrase other than porta potties which is unpleasant and awkward and makes us sound like children. I just find it to be an altogether... It's not like Honey Bucket is any better, by the way. It but is it's, no better. It's an altogether no. off-putting phrase. All right, here's uh, Todd Tulsis with the news.
8: Kevin James' new movie, Paul Blart Mall Cop, number one at the box office this week. That <laughs> says a lot about our nation, doesn't Ball it? Paul
2: Blart Mall Cop. Yeah. By the way, I'm not the first person to make this observation. Some guy in Ain't It Cool said this. Doesn't, doesn't Paul Blart Mall Cop... Doesn't that sound like pig Latin or like some sort of a, like a like a demon from a Lovecraft novel or something? <laughs>
3: it totally does.
2: Behold, I will summon Thoth and the great overlord Paul Blart Malkop. Or like he would, Paul Blart Malkop would be, I don't even know what it would be. We should, I, I, I'm going to, hold on, I'm going to write it down on the page. Paul Blart, I'm going to write it phonetically. Paul Blart Malkop. Malkop. That's like an Engelbert Humperdinck kind of a thing. <laughs> Zinglebert Wambleback. Zingle. <laughs>
8: Zigglebun's fist and trundle. Six syllables in conjunction with what? each other.
2: Paul Bart Malkop. Now, I can't even say it. Paul Bart Cop. You know what that looks like? Oh. That looks like something that they would have on a Wink Martindale game show as an anagram <laughs> that you would have to unscramble. This is like the newspaper jumble. You'd have to unjumble it and yes. make it into a real word. Today's jumble is. Paul Blart Mall Cop. And then at the end, it would be like, it would be like you know, Pimlico Bay or something. And, then, like, you would have to figure it out, and then you win a prize. Paul Blart Mall Cop. I know your listeners are already on this. They're already trying to unscramble Paul Blart Mall Cop. I'm going to put it into an anagram generator during the break, by the way, and see what we come up with. So that's the number one movie? Number one movie in America. I See, and this is... Do you ever feel out of touch, Todd told us, uh, where you... Where, and then you wonder if it's because of A, age, B, technology, C too much media, D, all of the above, where a movie will suddenly come out to be number one and, like, you never even heard of it? You didn't even know it was coming out?
8: Yes, that has happened. In it's fact, not it,
3: age, because I'm, I'm not in touch with that movie at all.
8: <laughs> I know. It, it, it's just, it, my, you know, Cindy is, is a huge uh, scholar and aficionado of dopey comedies. She believes that, uh, for example, um, Will Ferrell is mm-hmm. uh, right up there with Sir Alec Guinness, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> actors of all time. You know, and believes you know that uh, there should be a special Oscar division just for screwball.
2: The Will Ferrell Award. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just for that.
8: Our number three movie this week is uh, My Bloody Valentine.
2: Wait, so let's back up. So Paul Paul Blart Mall Cop. Jesus. Uh, was he? That was uh, that was number one. Yes. What was number two? I don't know. The uh, printer ran out of ink. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So you went right from number one to number three? That's right. <laughs> I don't understand. If there's no ink in the printer, how do you have number three?
8: Uh, I don't know. I got number two here. If you want to hear, it. are you making all of this up? No, it wouldn't surprise me if I did. No, I mean I could have. With these, with these types of movies, it could be absolute fantasy.
2: All right, Paul Blart but, Mall Cop, which yes. gets funnier every time you say it. Now I think I have figured out the key to this movie's success. This is for stoners who are just going to sit around and say the name of the movie out loud to themselves. All right, what was it? okay? So do we have number two? Yeah, we do. Is it was it the,
8: was it the Marley and Me? No, Ball no. Was.
2: I think uh,
8: I think that's that's sort of fading in the rearview mirror.
2: Uh-huh. Uh Clint Eastwood's new movie. Grand oh, Torino. the Grand Arena, which I hear good things about. Grand Arena. All right. Okay. And then number three was <laughs> My Bloody Valentine. Which Laura and I were gonna see yesterday and then we ran out of time. We didn't get a chance. Uh so that is a three D horror film. Is it three D? Yeah, it's apparently awful. I mean apparently it's just irredeemably bad. So we were gonna go see it because she's never seen a three D movie.
8: You gotta wear those screwball
2: glasses. I believe you do. And I think it's the old school red and blue mm-hmm. uh, glasses. I don't think it's the new the the polarized, like the jazz where it's all like you know, where they're tan colored. I think it's the old school uh, red and blue. Uh, uh, so uh, that is a that's a thing you've got to do as an American. Like at some point you have got to go see a 3D movie, and I don't mean some like a movie where part of it's in 3D or where there's like. a... And that goes to the abyss thing that James Cameron did, the Titanic documentary it doesn't count. It's got to be like an actual real, fictional scripted movie, preferably terrible. And and the thing is, and they're <laughs> and, and they're always terrible. Like there's I defy anybody now to name a good like a quality 3D film other than uh, it's not like a documentary or something. Anybody, go. Paul Blart and No, see, now you're just saying that. Now you're just saying that for a cheap laugh, Todd told us. You got it. All right. See, the, because here's what happens with 3D films. This is my theory, is that, you know, there's the, the thing in, in filmmaking called the dailies, which is where you go and you, you know, you have, you're on the set, and the director and the actor are there, and they're shooting the film, and at the end of the day's filming... They take whatever they filmed that day, good, bad, or indifferent. They send it all over to the studio. And the studio watches that day's work, the dailies. And based on that, they have a sense for how the movie's coming along. I think that sometimes you'll get about 58% into a movie's completion. Far enough in that you can't just pull the cord because you don't want to lose the money you've already invested. But far enough in that you realize the movie's not going to be any good. And so the studio says, all right, look, we've already invested like $40 million into this, and it's crap. How can we possibly get people to come see this ass uh, pile of a film? Um, I know, we'll make it 3D. And then, of course, what happens uh, is retards like myself will then go to watch it because it's in 3D. So they will then superimpose 3D of it, and they will go back and they'll do a few pickup shots where they'll be literally like... The gold standard for this is Friday the 13th 3, where they will just... Like, there's just long shots of a guy playing with a paddle ball game or something, like, pointing at the camera, like, for no reason. Um, just because, hey, it's in 3D.
7: Look at
9: that.
2: And so they'll do that with the movie, and then they know that it'll get X amount of action just because there's a generation that hasn't seen a 3D movie. So that's what this is. So Lara has never seen a 3D movie, so I'm going to take her to uh, to see this because she she's at the right age but the wrong demographic uh, to have seen, like, Jaws 3D or anything, which is another classic. example wasn't bad
3: in 3D. It wasn't something I would see at home, but it wasn't bad in the... 3D form. See, I
2: never saw, see, I never saw Beowulf, like, I, did, I didn't see that at all, ever. That's yeah. the, Angel- that's the CGI Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see, I didn't see that, so. Well, I, well
3: I'm a big Norwegian mythology nerd, so. <laughs> surprising
2: <laughs> well okay
4: <laughs> there you go
2: <laughs> uh well let's take a break we'll get caught up here back after this Todd Tulsa's joining us at the news desk today later on uh seeing radio correspondent James Roop as well as Lisa Desjardins uh we'll count down the top five rock band songs that are much harder to perform than you might imagine Snuff Watch it's the worst song you've ever heard and uh more stay there it's the Rick Emerson radio program don't go anywhere Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. By the way, so I have this uh, subject on this email. Rick, here's how not to go to jail in Milwaukee. This is from the Clackamas Review police log uh, for this last weekend. Uh, Let's see, Sunday, 6.50 p.m. Officers receive a call from TriMet saying a homeless subject covered in fecal matter was trying to get on a bus at Southeast 21st Avenue and Jackson Street. And then the summation. Here's what I like. I like. I like just sort of the. Um, I like the sort of the, the the just the no frills bottom line approach that the police officers take in this in this part of the city. Again, this is from the Clackamas Review. The police log, Sunday 6:50 p.m. Officers receive a call from TriMet saying a homeless subject, quote, covered in fecal matter, end quote, was trying to get on a bus. At Southeast Twenty First Avenue and Jackson Street, officers told the man not to get on the bus. Period. There you go. And yeah. all right. Uh, we are joined today uh, by uh, Todd Tulsis. Hi. He um, was at the uh, news desk today? Later on, senior radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, Jim Rupp, uh the top five, and more. By the way, I failed to uh, I failed to anagramize uh, anagramize uh, Paul Blart Mall, mall cop, which makes less and less sense every time I say it. Um, so. That sounds very much to me like just as they slap 3D on a movie they know isn't being um, it, it, you know isn't coming together very well in the production. I think this is a thing where they figured out that really the idea the idea is you're only really going to be able to get the guys who have just spent all day at home with the graphics bong with the clown uh, you know skull guy on the front of it. This is uh, this is the way you get those guys into the theater. Paul Blart Mall Cop. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again with the news. Todd told us.
8: Oh, is that my cue? Yes, it is. Todd. Okay. <laughs> Circuit City is going bankrupt. Did you hear about this? This is a blow to Oregon shopping centers who had Circuit City as a big uh, tenant in their shopping centers. Uh, malls like Jensen Beach and the Gateway Mall in Springfield. Seven more stores in Oregon are going out of business. Twelve more in Washington. 567 Circuit City stores around the country. The company will shed thirty four
2: thousand employees so and now somebody uh I was talking to somebody about this yesterday about circuit city and I guess I don't know that this is the case this is uh this is just what I heard I heard. That also, like, their extended warranties are not going to be honored at this point either. So if you – this is, again, I may be wrong about this, but that if you went to uh, Circuit City, let's say, oh, I don't know, six months ago, and you bought something and you said, well, sir, would you like that extended warranty? By God, of course I would. I I bet. What? bet. How could I lose? What could possibly go wrong? Well, what could go wrong if the company is now bankrupt? And so you forked over, like, $129 for something that you're not going to be able to, uh, to have honored. So apparently you're not going to honor the extended warranty. Also, I guess they're doing the liquidation sale right now. Right. But I think the liquidation sale, I think that the key for liquidation sales is to wait. You don't go right away. You wait until the very end when you can literally go in and buy, like, light fixtures and shelves. <laughs> I mean, I've gone to stores. Don't lie. I mean, I've gone to – I have I have actually gone to stores that were going out of business. And you go, like, like, the final two, three days, and they will sell you the linoleum off the floor. They will sell you anything in that place. It doesn't matter. You, and it's a lot of, like – Sir, uh, how much could I expect to pay for uh, this rack of fluorescent lighting and this row of jars that's sitting on the floor for no reason? And the guy just goes, well, make me an offer. Um, I actually went to a store one time. This is uh, many, many years ago. But a store where it was on the final day of the liquidation, and they were, no lie, they were actually willing to sell you the cash register. The guy was like, hey, he's like, I'll put the money in a shoebox. How much do you want to pay for this cash register? And I don't think anybody ended up buying it, But so do that. But... Video game fans might want to note that I don't believe you're going to be able to buy any Nintendo products at this liquidation because Nintendo will not allow their stuff to be discounted because they're all about the perceived value. Right. So I think Nintendo was just like, send it back. Don't well, discount it. Well,
3: the Wii's it. hot right now, so oh, yeah. I can yeah, understand it, is.
2: it. Well, it's funny. Whenever they, do the, uh, whenever they do the comparison for video game console sales, they'll say, you know, who's the big winner in terms of video game console sales for 2008 and the holiday season? They always do... Uh, PlayStation versus Xbox, they never even factor the Wii in because the Wii is, like, so far ahead of everything. It's just in a class all, all, all its own.
8: So. There's a pathetic-looking picture that you're looking at right now. It's from Saturdays, Oregon, wow. and it looks like a homeless man looking at a wall of uh, flat-screen televisions at Circuit City, and I think he's looking for a deal. And I don't know how much they're discounting these televisions, but it's kind of a sad picture. So there's... I don't know if he's homeless or not, but he's... he's, It's sort of like if Michael Moore had no money. Yeah, if Michael Moore had no money. Uh,
2: (laughs) Customers at Circuit... The caption here, this is uh, from... uh, Saturday's paper. Saturday's Oregonian, page C1 of the business section. Customer... The caption of the photo is, Customers at Circuit City's Janssen Beach store look for deals Friday after the nation's second biggest electronics retailer said it will close its U.S. stores. And you're right, it's just... It's a wall of flat-screen TVs, and there is a guy who is... um, I would say a little... Uh, disheveled. <laughs> disheveled. I was going to say schlumpy, but also disheveled. I hope he's not one of your listeners. Yeah, uh, You know. Uh, the, and he's wearing a sort of... He's wearing an old denim kind of ensemble. I was going to say he looked like he just got out of prison that as well like it says doc or something on the on the back that's in big letters but i mean you know look it, to be an american is to buy a big ass flat screen tv that you cannot possibly afford i mean that's the like mike let me ask you this do you have a flat screen tv or we, similar we just got one now is it plasma or lcd it is an lcd how do you feel about it i feel good about it now i don't wish to pry may i ask like a ballpark on on what that might cost uh somebody well, the one we got. Yeah. Oh, I guess we paid about nine hundred bucks for it. All right. Now, do you feel it was? A, do you feel that it was worth it? I think we got a good deal. Did you have? Here's the reason I ask, because someone, and I won't say who, but she's my wife, always <laughs> leans on me about <laughs> buying. She's always on the whole like, you got to buy. We got to. You know, we should get a flat screen TV. We should get an LCD TV. we should get a whatever. Yes. And and I just, and here's the thing is that I'm just a big big tightwad. I just I'm just I hate spending money. It just causes me. And not that I don't. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm. I'm not like some, uh, you know, like I don't have like a like a like a a pathology about it or anything. I mean, I will spend money, and but you're you're resisting. But 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 you know, so it's you know, like look, look, I have I have a TiVo, I have an Xbox, we have cable. I just bought I just bought a MacBook, so it's not like I won't spend money, but I do take a long time to weigh the pros and cons and figure out, you know, why I should buy it, what is the right time to buy it, like the MacBook for example. I waited. I waited for a long time, and I really had to sit and ponder, and really just sort of, really just sort of, it, 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 kind of come to my own, come to my own peace with it before I laid out that kind of money because they're not cheap. And I had, and I, bu- you know, we budgeted for it, and I was sort of thinking, you know, for months in advance, like, okay, I'm going to be buying a MacBook in December. Um, the thing, and here's the other thing about buying the MacBook is that, like, I had no previously existing laptop. All we have was the PC. We have the Windows PC at home, and there's two of us, and we're both very, you know, kind of tech-oriented. We both spend a lot of time online and working on the computer, so we needed a second computer regardless. So Lara's very much on the, we got to get a flat screen TV of some kind. Right. My deal is that like the TV, and I sound like such an old guy when I say this, but it's like the TV we got now works fine. I turn it on. Hey, there's a picture. I can see stuff. It doesn't like, I don't need a new television. I'll get a new television when the one I've got breaks. And I've got just a regular old cathode ray television right now that we bought, I don't know, like six, seven years ago and i plan on just using that thing until i turn it on and it explodes i mean until I, until it just makes a fizzling sound and stops working <laughs> i will continue to use that
3: the difference in, in picture though is phenomenal see it is I, it is I, it truly we're is we're not
8: ganging up on you I, no, no, no no go no. ahead
2: no it's fine go ahead
3: i've i've had one for probably about 2 or 3 years now we have an lcd and it's phenomenal i mean the difference is entirely different than watching a tube set
2: no. I mean, I do understand that the difference is, I mean, every time you go to Fry's Electronics, that's the first thing you, when you walk in, you walk in right past the uh, the customer service desk, and on the, the right, there's that huge flat screen display that's always up there. And sometimes it's plasma, sometimes it's LCD, and it's always, they're always playing some, you know, like a Pixar film or like the new Indiana Jones or something that is meant to look really good on those TVs. And the picture is really great. It's just that I see that picture. How do I put this? Like I almost kind of avert my eyes from that because I, that way I don't have any comparison, and so the one at my house is still great. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even really think I know anybody. I don't think I spend a lot of time at anybody's house who who has a flat screen TV, so I have no real comparison. So the one at my home still looks fantastic.
3: It would be a good time to get it right now too, because with all the inputs for your home, your home studio theater system and everything, we were kind of an early adopter, so our inputs are. Minimal at best, but, but isn't
2: it just going to be even cheaper if I wait like another year? Like, yes. isn't that a thing yes. where it's like if I wait, it'll be, I can pay less?
3: Yeah, if yes. you're ready for the whole D T V thing to.
2: Yeah, but that doesn't affect me because I have because uh, I have oh, cable. That's right. Okay. I mean, and who does that? fact? who do you know that is getting their television over the air other than Sarah? Sarah Sarah Dillon actually is the only person I know. And she already has the adapter.
8: Well, I'm pe-
3: some sort of stat where a majority of the country doesn't have cable. No, that's so.
2: crap. That is a lie. That a is lot an, of, that's a lie. A
8: lot of people are bailing out of cable or satellite right now because it is perceived as an expense that people can't afford as many people lose their jobs. So they're going back to
2: rabbit ears at least for another month. Then they've got to go to the little box. See, I don't believe that. I think that is – and I'm not saying it's not hard times out there. Clearly uh, it, clearly it is. Clearly, it is, it, Nobody thinks it's – as I said one time, nobody thinks it's a theoretical recession. That – Maybe people are people, people might be downgrading their cable or their satellite or what. Even I, even I, uh, Rick Emerson, uh, wallower in pop culture. I don't have the full deluxe cable package right now, which I hear about every time a new project runway comes on, and my wife screams at that she's not able to watch it. Every time there's like a, I'm not able to watch Top Chef. Why don't we have the new cable package? Because I only have the uh, I have the just enough to get Anthony Bourdain and Mythbusters package. That's what I have. So, um. What was my point? So maybe people are downgrading uh, their cable or their satellite. I don't – I I disbelieve – look, I'm a proud CBS employee. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure the CBS television network has any number of things that people can't wait to watch. I cannot believe that in 2009 that there are people out there that are doing the, the UHF, like the fiddling with the antenna in the back of the TV, like trying to pull in the staticky over-the-air signal. I just can't. I mean, you might as well live in a cave. I mean, really, what is the uh, – seriously, you might as well just sit around and create pictographs of a spirit god. I mean, what the, the – I mean – This is what broadcast professionals are worrying
8: about, that cable and satellite uh, contracts are being tossed because of hard times in people's families. People's uh, People are losing their homes. Yeah, it sounds What's so soothing when you talk about it. Oh, thanks. I we don't... should have
2: top five horrible stories that sound soothing when Todd Tulsis discusses them.
8: A train ran off its tracks today in Danville, California. Sixty-seven people were killed. <laughs> now that didn't happen, folks. I was really, really just doing this for Rick's amusement. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Uh, say this. Um, <laughs> say this. Say. It's a long one. Say right. this. Say um. Tom Hartman dresses in a Cub Scout uniform and speaks to himself in his mother's voice. Tom Hartman dresses up in a Cub Scout
8: uniform and speaks to him, him? in his mother's voice. All
2: right, close it up. No, I don't I'll pick it in post. All you, right. know,
8: write it down next time. Right. I work off scripts. All right.
2: Well, in any event, so I'm not, to, I mean, I'm not trying to say that there isn't an economic thing going on, but I, I do, though, believe on some level that whether they can afford it or not, Americans are just continuing to buy stuff. I mean, that's like every every time I go to any kind of... Like fries is an example. You walk in, man, fries. I got a text message yesterday from my friend Chris Sneven. Uh He does this blog called OnTheVig.com, which is quite good. But he actually, of all people, sent me a text message yesterday about this very subject, and it just said, I am at Fry's Electronics. It is filled with people. What recession? Which he clearly meant in jest. Obviously, there is recession, but I don't think it's keeping people from, from buying stuff. In fact... He, this would be my suspicion my guess would be that people are actually keeping their cable or their satellite whatever it is because they are staying home more. right because they're, they're not, not going, going out. to movies yeah. okay yeah anyway
8: and that's and that's that's been you know well documented too people's behavior is changing and they're trying to shave wherever they can shave costs wherever they can i'm just trying to shave wherever i can <laughs>
2: Anywho, so just to wrap this up here, I don't have a flat screen TV because I don't ever, I have never spent enough time with one to notice how bad my current TV is. So it's like, you ha- it, you know, it's uh, as Elijah Muhammad once said, if the people have never drunk water from a glass that is clean, they will never know that they are drinking from a glass which is dirty. Uh, and so I am now drinking from uh, Elijah Muhammad's dirty glass, but I don't know because I, have ne- I don't have a clean glass. So on my TV, someday I'm going to turn it on and it's going to go... And not work anymore, then I will buy a, buy a flat screen TV.
8: Okay, well, don't go to Circuit City.
2: Oh, anyway, so yeah, so so back to this. So um, so this guy, yeah, so this guy probably God. can't afford this TV, <laughs> but you know, looking at this 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 schmo, he probably bought one anyway. That's the thing because they probably made him an offer he couldn't you know like easy credit terms. So you or think he's looking for a on. second one for the bathroom or something? Probably. Or well, that dude. The, 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 the I don't know if, if you are a long enough listener to have remembered Scotty Jay, but this Scotty Jay was the guy who was the PA before Richie Bristol. And Scotty was... I hate to use words like crisis and life and mid, but Scotty Jay was this guy who had quit his job at the age of... Jesus, like 40, maybe? He was 39
3: when he, he had started on 39, the... 39.
2: 39, quit his job, went to Mount Hood Community College to change to... How's this for great, Todd? You'll appreciate this. At the age of 39, quit his regular, actual, like, lucrative job to go into radio. Yeah. Uh, by starting by started by dropping 20 grand at Mount Hood Community College, and then came here to work for free. So, um, but working even working here for like slave wages, he had a television. No lie, in his shower, he had a television in his shower. That is the American consumer right there. On
3: top of that, he spent like two hundred bucks a month on parking.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just just <laughs> insane. And had purchased a new Cadillac. So in any event, all right. Uh, here is Todd Tulsis with the news.
8: At the invitation of the uh, President-elect Obama, uh, Chesley Sullenberger, Sully Sullenberger, the hero pilot of the U.S. Airways uh, jet that landed safely in the Hudson River, will also be attending Tuesday's inauguration festivities. In fact, all five members of the crew has been have been asked to go to the inauguration. President-elect Obama has also promised to give them all a ride on Air Force One. I cannot make that up. Kelly Osborne was arrested for slapping a journalist in a London nightclub last summer. Uh, old news, but she's just being uh, arraigned now. She's scheduled to return to the United Kingdom in March to answer the charges. Apparently, the journalist made fun of
2: Kelly's boyfriend, model Luke Worrell. First of all, he's weird looking, and secondly, he's like five years old. I mean, is he's he five like, years old? He's, I don't know how old Kelly Osborne is at this point, but I think that. Maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe he's vastly older than she is, but I don't think so. I think Kelly Osborne's dating a guy who's like 18 or something. So, I mean, okay. good for her, you know? Okay, <laughs> so
8: the journalist made fun of Kelly's boyfriend, Luke Rell, in print, so she smacked her. I nightclub.
2: wouldn't cross Kelly Osborne. She seems like the kind that would probably carry some sort of a shiv or brass knuckles or something. It right into a nightclub. By the way, let me just tell you this about Kelly Osborne. I don't know when the last time you saw Kelly Osborne is. She looks good. I don't know. Whatever it is she's doing, she should keep doing it. She, uh, because she's in the London production of Chicago right now. Uh, playing the role of Mama. She's playing the Queen Latifah role. Uh, for the movie and uh, and uh, she does in fact. Uh, I've always been a fan of Kelly Osborne, But she uh, she does in fact look fine. So just you know, just I mean, an FYI. And we do have uh, today's uh, Geek Watch. Do we have uh, the intro for today's that? Geek? As all the entire show hasn't just been <laughs> th- 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 wallowing in all sorts of nerd-like discussions.
4: <laughs> <laughs> high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen dilemma I remember, you used to
0: just a television
4: show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the coin is so Just listen. The there air. is no. Quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's
10: no goddamn shit. You
2: got it? it Energize. With your Geek Watch on KCMD Portland, a proud part of the CBS radio family, the network of Edward R. Murrow, the Tiffany Network, this is Todd Toltis.
8: Stan Lee, the creator of Spider-Man, the Hulk, the Fantastic Four, and other Marvel superheroes is planning to unleash the world's first homosexual superhero in a new television program. Lee has reportedly created a character called Tom Creed. A high school basketball player who's forced to hide his sexuality as well as his superpowers. It's not known what kind of powers <laughs> Creed will display. Stanley, funny Todd? nothing at all. Are you Ray. sure? Are you Absolutely. thinking of a, a body limerick? No, there's today? no. The dog that was in here before was licking my toes. Uh, Lee, the former head of Marvel Comics, also created uh, the other um, aforementioned uh, superheroes. If he proves popular with
2: audiences, you know. This program will be shown in Britain as well as the United States. If I were a uh, if I were a less sophisticated radio host and if this were a uh, a more bottom feeding something funny
8: Are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had my Seems eyes like you're, closed. there's
2: something amusing. I had my eyes closed. I Would was, you like to share with the audience? I was uh...
8: just holding back the tears. <laughs> you no, know, actually and, and truth be told, Stanley is a personal friend of mine. Is he really? I know him well. Bastard, why lived, have you never told us that? He lived barely a quarter mile from my home on Long Island. Why I, have you held this back? I knew back? his wife Joan, his daughter Joan, I went to school with. I know them all. We went to parties at their house. I knew the man who hired Stan Lee at Marvel Comics.
2: Why have you waited until now to reveal this? No, I, it just never came up.
8: I oh, came come up. on! Are you kidding me? Not at all.
2: In it fact, never came here, up. Now,
8: here's a great little story about about Stanley. He was hired... Uh, on to Marvel Comics, by a guy by the name of Martin Goodman, uh, uh, back in New York City. Um, Martin Goodman, the Mar in Marvel Comics. Martin Goodman ran a little comic book empire. In fact, my mom used to write uh, romance comics for Martin Goodman. Uh, long, long time. This is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just a little side gig. My mom was actually an English teacher in high school. But, but your you know. mom wrote romance comics. Yeah, just on the side. And she this was Marvel from, that way, this is from Marvel proper? Yeah, for, well, yeah, what what was known then and is known
2: now is Marvel Comics. What well, would well, do you know the names of some of the comics? It was like, you know, Forever True Love or whatever. Like, do you remember the names of the books? It, it wasn't Lusty Romance. I, I don't think it was anything but like that. But they were very that. chaste, but, I would imagine. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, this was the 30s. That is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I see, and I, uh, comics are one of those things where it's like, I mean, I guess I have. As I sometimes say, I guess I have more, more comic knowledge than, than like, the layman does. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a hardcore comic guy. There's certain niche, there's certain areas of the comics world that I know a lot about. Like, um, like I know a lot about the rise and fall of horror comics in the 50s, like EC Comics, because I'm a massive... Because my thing is Mad Magazine. Mad mm-hmm. Magazine I know a lot about. So because I know a lot about Mad... It's like if you're into Led Zeppelin, then you discover the Rolling Stones, then you discover Chuck Berry, then you discover Helen Wolf, then you discover Robert Johnson, then whatever. So because I'm a huge Mad magazine fan, uh, you know, then I learned about the history of E C comics and William M. Gaines and Tales from the Crypt and how Bill Gaines uh inherited that comic uh company from his dad. Right. Before it was ed- before it was entertaining comics, E. C. stood for educational comics. And they put out Bible comics and heroic wartime comics here's by the way ec comics before they put out tales from the crypt had some of the worst comic fare ever to a grace newsstands an actual comic book that ec comics used to put out in the days before tales from the crypt ec comics in fact had a recurring comic series called bouncy bunny in the friendly forest so there you go which sounds <laughs> like some sort of an anime game that you would download for your wii at this point and then, like a few years later, it was like you know it, you know it was uh, yeah it, it was like the the vault of horror or whatever. But anyway, but comic culture kind of fascinates me, and th- and the fact that a lot of these comic book companies before they before comics really did blossom into a tr- an art form, which they truly are, they just they were really kind of pulpy and not bad as such, but just very sort of you know very sort of rudimentary and with uh, like romance comics especially. So that's that's pretty fascinating. So my mom wrote some romance comics because she was personal
8: friends with Martin Goodman, who later hired a young editor by the name of Stan Lieber. You're doing like E B E R.
2: You're doing like a whole Paul Harvey thing.
8: And, <laughs> and that, now you know the rest of this story. Of course, you, ah, oh,
2: you. I'll send you a Bose radio. <laughs> well done. You would he would totally do it. The, the reveal would be, but you know him as. Stan Lee.
7: Stan Lee. And now you're...
8: Yeah, Stan's real name was Lieber, L-I-E-B-E-R. Now I've heard everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if it was Stan Lee, you, you know, people might think he was actually Korean, but he's not. He is actually <laughs> Stan Lee Burr. And, yeah, and uh, we went to, you know, my brother and I, uh, you know, dragged by my parents, went over to their houses oh, for dinner Oh, we have parties to go to Stan Lee's house
2: for dinner again, we Mom? Oh, come on.
8: And, of course, we and, and we hung out at the Goodman's place, too, which, and they lived in, the Goodman's lived in a palatial property. Now, how old uh, would you have been when you were apartment. going over
2: to Stan Lee's house? Probably,
8: you know, I'm going to say maybe maybe seven or eight Wait, or nine. Did, did,
2: were you old enough to appreciate, like, we're in Stan Lee's house?
8: Yes, I mean, I knew what Stan Lee did, but you know, but I was such a dork. Uh, I was more into I was more into the DC comics than the Marvel
2: comics. Did you tell him that? Hey, Stan. No, I was guy not myself. going to
8: diss my hosts. Come <laughs> on now. Did but, you make him say true believers? No, and okay. you know, that may have even pre that made that made have predated uh, you know my existence. Right. That uh, really is cool. But yeah, I, I went to a school with his daughter Joan um and his wife Joan uh, last time I saw her was a few years ago but uh she attended my uh, my nephew's wedding down in LA we invited Stan he was busy he were out of the country he couldn't make it but his wife Joan showed up and um uh, yeah, we. We've now you know years.
2: it's you know at some point. I mean, just so you're aware, you know at some point I'm going to try to leverage this into getting getting con- contact with Stan. What, a free Lee. subscription uh, to uh, yes <laughs> for you, Fantastic Four. <laughs> um, no, you you told you know that I'm going to try to that I'm going try to lean on you for some sort of a contact uh, information for Stan Lee. Just so you know, so there's no awkwardness about it later. I'm telling you now. All right, we'll try. We'll ah, try. Fantastic. That we'll, is, we'll try that. that and, is and you know,
8: and Stan Lee always makes some wacky cameo in every right. oh, Marvel course. film. Yeah.
2: No, and he's you know the thing about Stanley is, and I can I mean I can kind of speak to this b- because I have so many friends that are big you know that are big comic guys, uh, and in fact uh, last night we were having um and by the way I apologize we've had callers on hold for like five hours that I haven't gotten to so I I'm sorry if you like people have lives and I'm jobs and I sort too. of forget about it but um the um, what was my point so last night Laura and I had uh, another couple over and. The guy in this other couple is a huge comic fan, and uh, so we were talking about comics and comic culture and Watchmen movie that's coming out and whatever. And um, but um, but the, but the you know, Stanley has just got such a—I mean, just you know—to to say that his shadow looms large is just like the understatement of all time. But uh, but he's—you know—he does a lot of those cameo appearances, and the great thing about him is even now at the age of like 550 or however old he is, he just—he really, is like a self-promotion machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is constantly working on. He's one of those guys. They're gonna find him. I mean, figuratively speaking, but they're gonna find him. You know, when he dies, they will find him with the pen in his hand at the sketch pad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like slumped over the easel, drawing like a new idea for some sort of superhero. So I you mean,
8: remember that uh, that whacked out show that he hosted uh, just a couple of years ago? You, uh, who, so you want to be a superhero? Right, 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 that was the best right. Thing yeah, ever. yeah. I mean, that
2: was the the truly geeks on parade. And it, it was just a couple of years before that that he was doing that. He was doing the. Um, I don't think it was barbed wire. It was what was that uh, the superhero? was like por- Pornarella, or something. he was doing like some some weird like adult superhero. He was working on some project. It was like an adult. It was like kind of a sexualized superhero. It was Wasn't more of an Pam edgy. Pam Anderson
3: doing it or something? Pam
2: Anderson was, that Barb was barbed barbed wire. Wire, okay. Right. But I think that Stanley, in conjunction with Pam Anderson, was trying to create a new kind of an edgy sort of a irreverent kind of sexualized superhero. Now I can't remember. No, I can't and
3: it was them and. An, well, animated,
2: right? Something. Animated. All right, well, in any event, so they're unveiling... I thought there had already been a gay superhero. I mean, I just sort of assumed at this point.
8: You would think in the 21st century, by now, we would have a gay superhero.
2: Well, but... especially because during the 70s. I know during the 70s, there was kind of a new golden age where they, they broke a lot of ground and did a lot of things that were considered taboo at the time. And they talked, like a lot of sort of... There were uh, themes about race relations and about the so-called... I remember in the 70s, there was the so-called Jesus freaks. And they were, the, the issues like that got addressed. And I, I sort of just took it as red that the gay barrier would have been broken a long time in the comic world. Comics are a very inclusive medium. It took a while for the first black superhero
8: to come about
2: in comics. Let me just tell you, you know what I still have at home? Some Black Lightning comics. Black That's lightning. what I'm talking about. Was that, that one of the original? Was that one of the original? I don't know. He was like this a uh, black guy with a huge fro, and then this, this great, like, electric, and I don't mean, like, actually, but like blue, like electric blue, like the sort of thing that I could never wear and look cool. Uh, but he had, like, this electric blue suit with, uh, it, like, yellow lightning bolts down the side, and then this, it was like it was like this photo negative Lone Ranger mask because he was like a black guy with like a white Lone Ranger mask on, and then the big fro, uh, and then I seem to remember he was always battling armies of robots. So and he was called Black Lightning. Black Lightning. There you go. Oh wait, here's this is uh, nerds calling with the answer to the. Hold on, let's get this. There you go. And then we'll end the geek watch. For the love of God! Um, all right. Uh, let's see. I ah, are on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hello. See now, are we not feeding the phone even with me? Wait, this is so. Line two is a guy who who really just wants to hang out there.
3: (laughs) The Board set up properly. All right.
2: Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Oh, for the love of God! All right, if you're going to wait five hours, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Good day, Rick Emerson. Hello, KCMD Portland. Thank you, sir.
11: Um, do you recall a show that had some uh superheroes on it back in I wanna say late seventies, early eighties, and it was kinda of like Family Feud and they had um
2: like, The answer is no, by the way. Just I'm speaking for everyone here. I can right. speak well, for all a... all listening when I say no.
11: Well, how about that? Well there was a program on that was like Justice League, superheroes on one side of the family feud, and then they had like the bad guys on the other side, and then they would have like the uh, the Lex Luthor and the Superman would go out wherever and, then and this was a out or something. It was just a terribly horrible, horrible. Wait, show. but I
2: mean, but it was like, a, but it was a game show.
11: It seemed like it was. I don't know. It was like 1977, 78. Somebody
8: raise their hand in the room if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and, and, and and Louis Anderson hosted it. Is that what it was?
11: I don't think it was Louis Anderson. I think it was pre.
2: Uh, Wait. So this was uh, and so this was an Richard animated program.
11: No, it was like real people in costumes.
2: You're freaking me out. I have no it's idea. So let's all just all sorts of terrible. No, no, no. Let's back up for a second. We're gonna write down all the component parts. This was late right. 70s, early 80s. Late 70s, early 80s. It was real life people dressed up as like known superheroes, i.e., yes. Batman. All right.
11: Yep. And it was it was definitely you know definitely a Superman, Lex Luthor thing. They had that.
2: And yet it there was that... a game show component.
11: It yeah. It was like they were on the Family Feud. <laughs>
2: You're sure this wasn't something you dreamt, like after too much no. Indian food? or?
11: No, I don't think so. It's it starting to sound every,
2: more like, like a hallucination.
11: Every, it was a half-hour show, and after every segment, it would go to black and say, to be continued, as if. You know, the commercials were some big break between the.
2: Yeah, no, I'm of, I'm really drawing just the blankest of blanks. Yeah. This is why people
8: really need cable. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It's,
11: well, you know, when you when you grow up and you got uh, you know two, six, and eight, and you're on Rabbit Ears
2: uh, yeah, on any port in in
11: Black and white. You yeah. know, what do you do? It's that or love, folks. So what do you do?
2: All right. Well, we'll look into it, sir.
11: Okay. Good luck right, to thank
2: you. Thank you. Hi. All right. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Please. Stripperella, <laughs> Stripperella. That's what I'm talking. About. Now, uh-huh. was that a Stan Lee uh, joint?
4: It was Stan Lee and Pamela Anderson played the chick.
2: All right, there you go. Thank you, sir. I got sir. my buddy next to me. No problem. All right, thank you. There you go. Stripperella. So it was like a new kind of irreverent, edgy superhero. But yeah, but she was all like all hoard up. How did I miss that? I I don't know. I because it, you know, you the same reason you missed that for the same reason that uh, you know, I'm still like three seasons back on Thirty Rock because there's just not enough time. There is not enough time. I. It's, i as i 've often lamented, I really wish that cloning technology were here, so I could have a separate self that just watched television twenty four hours a day I mean, I wish that I had that I could somehow there, other people like I want to be productive, or like I want to be able to like so we can you know so we can it's you know so so I can so I can you know help help the less fortunate or like you know work for charity. I just want a separate self that does nothing but watch TV because I feel like every single day I'm just falling behind in my TV knowledge.
3: And that self mm-hmm. could also stuff their face full of check mix checks mix. It, so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: but then it, it's like last night. last night I just just last night watched the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, which is like 80% different uh, than the, what's his name, Richard Lester cut that everybody sort of saw when it came out. So that's just, don't even get me started on the commentary and the the mini documentary. So, I mean, it's just, uh, life is hard. Anyway, uh, are we done with the Geek Watch? We, we do have a second story on the Geek oh, Watch. Oh, here's the second half of your Geek Watch.
8: Steve Jobs probably won't be coming back to Apple. His medical leave from Apple is likely to be permanent. In a letter to Apple staff on Wednesday, Steve Jobs says he was taking a five-month medical leave because his health issues are more complex than I originally thought, in quotes. In the note, Jobs promised return to Apple in the summer, which many are hoping is true, but other people say Apple will not be the same without his I get creative think- leadership.
2: Steve Jobs looks bad. I mean, he looks like cancer bad. Uh, which I mean, he had cancer once, which he purportedly beat back into remission. Uh, and so the 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 operating uh, theory here is that the his pancreatic cancer, which is that's the bad cancer, that's the Swayze cancer, uh, has come back. I mean, and I hope it hasn't, because I, I I'll be re- I'll be really 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 bummed out. Uh, you know, if 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 Steve Jobs dies. I mean, everybody dies eventually. And as somebody once said, you know, the the price one pays for youth is watching all of your heroes die. But um, but Steve Jobs is just, I mean, way at this point, way more so even than Gates is so closely identified with that company. Right. Because Gates, you know, so uh, there's a great documentary that Robert uh, Cringely did um, uh, for PBS a few years ago called Triumph of the Nerds, which is all about the history of the personal computer. And it starts in like 1975 and it goes, I think, up to the wi- release of Windows 95. And there's lots of interviews with Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and the um, uh, Ed Roberts, who created this computer called the Altair, which is the very first personal computer. And um, the uh, were you just smiling in recognition of the Altair?
3: I've read about it.
2: Good for you. Well done. Uh, you really ought to see this documentary. It's great. But Gates at one point is talking about how he's like, well, you know what? I just don't want to get old because once, once you get – I can't do – that's not the voice for Bill Gates, but he's you know he's like well, once you be, once you become thirty, he's like your brain slows down, you don't have any as many good ideas and whatever. And the, and so but he had this whole thing of like he's like well I can't be immortal, but I'm just going to hire the smartest people I possibly can, and then I will let them take over for me. And so at that point he was already like in '95 thinking about someday I'll have to step aside for the good of the company. Mm. And you know Jobs, it sounds like he's doing that too. But Steve Jobs is just, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that just imposed like his absolute. Clarity of vision on a company. Well, and
8: uh, He
3: was truly the face of Apple from pretty much day one. Yeah. Right.
2: And then he
8: left, mm-hmm. and then he came back, to, actually, to rescue the company.
2: To resurrect it. And it's great, because at the end of this Triumph of the Nerds documentary, I mean, it's not a spoiler, because we all live, like, in the world. We all know how it turned out. But the, guy, but the narrator says, you know, at the dawn of 1996, you know, Microsoft, blah, 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 and says Apple is a fading force in the computer industry, but that's before Jobs came back. And that is before the iPod, it's before Pixar, it's before iTunes, it's before... I mean, you think about Steve Jobs, here I am again talking about him like he's dead, but he's revolutionized three different industries. One, computing, with the, the introduction of the graphical user interface for the consumer market, which is through the Macintosh primarily. Right. Two, the the movie industry, because Pixar Studios is now, dollar for dollar, the most successful st- uh, film studio in American history. Uh, more successful than Paramount, Warner Brothers, anything. And three, uh, because of music. music, the iPod and then iTunes is now the biggest single music retailer on the planet. And Steve Jobs didn't obviously create all of those things, but he has played the primary role in revolutionizing three different industries. I mean, it's just astounding.
3: Well, the thing about Apple computers is, I remember being in middle school and thinking about, oh, that's that's for people who don't get computers, you know. And now that's kind of come a full circle and completely switched. It's now totally. The computer of the young people. So. Yeah.
2: there was a there was a time when a, if you had a Mac, uh, it, people thought it was just sort of a glorified Etch a Sketch. That it looked it looked pretty, made great pictures, couldn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Right, which was true for a while because there were no applications for it. Um, but then you know, but then they, could, they they found desktop publishing and graphic design. And uh, anyway, blah. blah Software
8: blah. companies, I think, have always been more reluctant to um, over the years. Uh, apply themselves to uh, Macintosh applications.
3: That's slowly changing, though. It It is. is.
8: It is. And, in fact, Adobe, who creates uh, Photoshop Mm -hmm. uh, and and, Mm -hmm. a a zillion more uh, programs, there is only one application they don't make for Macintosh
2: at this point in time. Audition. Mm -hmm. Audition. Yeah, which is uh, Adobe Audition, which is an audio editing program. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand that. I have no idea why, of all Adobe what is it? They have Adobe Photoshop, right. and there's Adobe Final Premiere, Adobe Premiere, I think, which is the movie-making thing. Right.
8: And there's, and there's... Production Studio. There's you know a gazillion things. I was looking on their website just the other day. In fact, I was at the NAB conference, the big convention in Las, in Las Vegas, in April. Really? And I went to the Adobe presentation, and they were doing a gigantic on-stage presentation for Adobe Audition which for our listeners, our, our uh, audio challenge listeners, is like a, Pro like Tools. Say, It's like Pro Tools. It's an audio recording and, pr- and production um, tool that we use here at 790. And it's, it's very, very popular because it is so much easier to use than many of the other uh, programs out there. It is, in fact, yeah. It is the default audio application here at CBS Radio. Yeah, and um, same thing with Clear Channel as yeah. well. It is their one of choice. And they put on a huge, huge demonstration that was very, very impressive, very dynamic. And I collared the guy backstage who put on the presentation, as, as were about a dozen other people. And we were all clamoring to ask the same question.
2: Why isn't this for the Mac?
8: Why isn't this for the Mac? And, you know, the guy has sort of... You know he had this Captain Binghamton look on his face you know when <laughs> being confronted by the Admiral, you know and, uh, admiral i uh, gee I, uh, those pirates it, it's their fault they you know right. Mikhail and his pirates they, they don't know what they, they're not developing applications like they should, they just don't know. and and he he was trying to speak to us in in sort of code by saying, you know, they haven't come up
2: with it yet." That's what they're saying. I just wonder if Apple makes too much money off Pro Tools, if Pro Tools and Mac go together so well that they don't want to damage the Pro Tools franchise. That's, I mean, that's my thing. But, you know, I'll tell you this. So I have a MacBook, and I actually... And so, see, now it's like either the best or worst of all worlds, depending on how you look at it, because I have a MacBook on which I can run Windows. I have Windows installed there as well, which is great because it lets me irritate both camps at once. Like, it lets me be smug in both directions. (laughs) Like, I can kind of look at the Windows people and be like, look at my brand new shiny aluminum MacBook. But then I can look at Mac people, Kristen, and I can say, hey, look at my MacBook, on which I am running Windows XP. And the guy at 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 the Apple store had, like, no sense of humor about it, though. I kept trying to... That's a surefire way to get them to hate you. Well, see, but that's what I thought. I mean, I told the story when I first bought it, but, you know, I'm kind of snarky, and I have, you know, I always try to, like, be, you know, I'm always kind of, what, with the joke telling and the whatever, and so I'm at the Mac store, and I'm asking the guy some questions about the MacBook before I buy it, and I, and this guy, uh, his name was um, Eric, and he's talking to me, and, and, you know, and he's, like, walking me through the whole thing, and, of course, they're all touchy-feely, and they're just such freaking hippies about everything, and I, and, uh, because, you know, because they're all poets, and, I
3: don't like going in
2: there. No, because they're just such smug, amber-crabby-looking bastards. I just I just hate them. I hate them all. Um, I will say, by the way, that they, this is not a paid endorsement or a plug. The Mac store by Lloyd Center, though, is a world apart. That place is fantastic. I like those guys. The, the place they're at the, for the
3: people.
2: That place down at the mall, though, man, it's like you walk in there and you just want to, like... You just sort of the
3: ju- whole mall, anyway. It's kind of like a fence. And you're, you're talking, a talking about the
2: one at Pioneer Place, yeah. yeah. And it's like you just, you walk in there and you just feel ugly and unstylish, you know, because everybody there is sort of like gorgeous and it's all blonde wood and recessed lighting and like you know, and they just they're all perfect with their like they and they all they look very
3: color color coordinate with each other completely, and, yeah.
2: and they've got perfect teeth. Yeah. And you just anyway, but the but the guys talking to me, and I said the. I said, hey, so uh, I need to be able to run Windows XP on this MacBook, and I and I was trying and I was kind of trying to I was kind of trying to screw with him a little bit, like with my patented sort of you know my patented edgy humor. And I said, uh, I asked the guy at the Apple Store. I said, so Eric, I said, when somebody, um, you know, when somebody runs to wants to run Windows on a MacBook, does like you know does does a little part of you die inside? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, <laughs> I said, you know, I said, is there like a I said, does it, you know, does it make you unhappy? Does it like, you know, does it, does it, you know, does a part of you kind of recoil in horror and become unhappy when somebody wants to defile a MacBook with with Windows? And he looked at me for a moment like he was trying to process it. And then he looked at me and he said, see if I can remember this. He looked at me and he said, well, no, that wouldn't make me unhappy. I mean, what would make me unhappy is if your MacBook experience was anything less than totally fulfilling. And so I want to make sure that as a MacBook user, you are as happy as you can possibly be and that your experience is a perfect one.
3: It's almost like he's talking about drugs.
2: Seriously, or or like he wants like he's reading off a script. Or like he's trying to have (laughs) you know, seduce me into some sort of religious sex cult. (laughs) And like it was like he was about to hug me. It was like I was being embraced mentally. It was like a cerebral hug. And and sometimes
3: it's even worse than a real hug.
2: Yeah, I gave up trying to joke with him at that point. But I run Windows only because I want to run audition. So there you go. All right. Uh is that the end of the
8: Geek Watch at long last? We uh, have uh, the uh, 6 uh, Steve Jobs and the gay uh, superhero and that's the end of the Geek Watch.
4: My there you go. Hammer, by the sons of well Warband, done. I shall
2: avenge you. Next. Ooh and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. I feel bullish about today's program, by the way. I think today's program is going splendidly, Todd. You're thanks. a crucial part of that. Gee, thanks. Uh, let's see. Uh, in just a moment here, we will uh, plunge on ahead with Todd Tulsas at the news desk. By the way, you can be reached at imagingvoice.com, that's can't me? you? Yeah, thanks. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson program from Los Angeles, Kristen. See you think radio. See, I think we're, that's the thing again. We're feeding the phone with his theme there for some reason. I think. I don't know what that's all about. Wait and hello, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today?
12: I'm doing okay. Sorry to have to call you on a cell phone, but I've been chasing Obama and uh, George Bush lookalikes.
2: Why? I mean, just like for something to do, or? <laughs> yeah, because I have nothing else to do on it. Mean, I mean, what is? You, the, the, is this something? You know, is this something well, CNN has? A, CNN is assigned you to? Do?
12: Yes, indeed. Uh, kind of the transition in Washington and the parallel of that with the transition in lookalikes.
2: <laughs> okay. And, and so is, has there been booming business for George W. Bush impersonators?
12: You know, I just talked to the guy. He said 2007 was good. 2008 he said was terrible. Nobody wanted him in 2000, 2008.
2: And so, if you are so, if you're a guy who makes money impersonating George Bush, that's got to yeah, that had to have been like a a feast to famine kind of a thing.
12: Yeah, but you know, he's he's the guy you see on the Tonight Show. He's the guy who gets all the work, you know, as a uh, as a -a localizer, you know. But uh, he still thought it was really bad. His saving grace was the Tonight Show, you know, and all those cut-ins that he would have to do, um, and then they would insert that into the news footage. You know how Jay Leno does that, right? And uh, he said that's the only thing that kept him going
2: because uh, he wasn't getting booked for corporate events or anything uh, in 2008. You know what he should have done? Here's what the George Bush guy should have done. The the Bush guy should have, when everything started to go uh, bad, the Bush guy should have, like, rented himself out at parties. For, like, five bucks, you could come up and just hit him with a pie or something. I mean, really, just like a vicarious release uh, for anti-Bush anger.
12: You know, i I, I got to say, I've I talked to a few of these guys now, and you know what, they They look like somebody. That's kind of like their talent. Right. But they really think they're like an actor. And so uh, it, 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 as much as I try to joke around with them, they got really angry. And, you know, it's a real serious business. And I said, y- you look like somebody. You know? <laughs> it's really funny. And so I, I couldn't joke around that and the Obama guy. The Obama guy was, you know, he he looked like him a little bit, it didn't sound like him too much, but you know, they just taking themselves way too seriously.
2: Well, I mean, especially if you're if you're a guy who's going to make money impersonating Barack Obama, probably he feels compelled to have that same lofty uh, sort of golden tone to everything he says, right?
12: I guess, I guess people are going to be bringing them on to, uh, read speeches and stuff like that, but I gotta tell you, it's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird life these guys are having, and they think that they're, you know, Tom Hanks.
10: It's crazy. Alright, excellent.
2: Alright, uh, <laughs> your phone is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Terrible sounding. So, uh, we're probably gonna let you go at this point, and, uh, we will catch up with you tomorrow, uh, for more inauguration discussion, Jim. Alright, sorry about that. Right. not at all, brother. Alright, have a good day. There you go. Wow. All right, there you go. That's Jim Rope, ladies and gentlemen, on the road in uh, Los Angeles. All right, excellent. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Todd Tulsa's at the news desk. I'm,
8: at... I'm sorry, uh, that was my fault. Uh, Channeling Tim Riley there for a moment.
2: <laughs> I didn't...
8: A man has smashed his way into an adult shop and had sex with blow-up dolls before abandoning the sex toys in a nearby street. Business owners in Cairns in northwestern uh, northeastern well, North Australia. Business owners in Cairns. Yeah, Cairns. Oh, okay. Business uh, owners in oh, Cairns, is the place. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they're not wearing Cairns. That's the name of the city in northeastern Australia. Business owners in Cairns believe the same culprit is responsible for, uh, responsible for break-ins and till thefts at other nearby adult bit paper. Uh, <clears throat>
2: uh, all right then. Uh, that's disturbing. Uh, all right, let's uh, do a couple more here, then we'll take this call, then we'll break. Here's uh, Todd Tulsa's, ladies and gentlemen.
8: Beyoncé, Springsteen, Stevie Wonder, just some of the stars uh, headed for the inauguration or who have already performed. Uh, Denzel Washington, add him to the list. He spoke yesterday. Also, Mary J. Blige. Cheryl Crow and Herbie Hancock performed yesterday. Will Am, Garth Brooks, Usher, Shakira, and Jamie Foxx. Meanwhile, from the I Wouldn't Believe It If the Pope Told It To Me file... We have an unusual assortment of Obama tchotchkes, Yiddish for small souvenirs. Or a, a giga. Uh, yeah, a giga, exactly. Um, amongst the uh, trinkets you can buy with Obama's face or likeness on them include Obama skateboards, selling for just $64.95, Obama sneakers, $66.95, an Obama action figure, similar to the gay superhero we talked about previously, Sixteen dollars ninety five cents. Does the
2: Obama superhero does the action figure I mean what is its action figure denotes that it has that it performs some sort of action? Not necessarily. It could be just a little plastic figurine. You don't pull a string and it instills you with it instills you instills with, in with false hope about the future. <laughs> instills you with action. <laughs> the, the the Obama action figure with the uh like you push a button and it give, you push a button and it, it, it inflates you with like completely baseless optimism. On the economy. It could. That's <laughs> like, could, like it's kung-fu grip.:
8: That could be optional at a small extra charge, though battery's not included.
2: Pull the string and see it, pedal mistruths to a completely gullible public.
8: You're going to love this. Obama magnets 1495, an Obama finger puppet for just 595. The ultimate in Geekery, the Obama iPhone case. For $18.99.
2: Here's, look, I know he seems like a good guy and all, but uh, this is one of those things that I always think about, like someday when civilization has gone and aliens come here to excavate, they're going to think that he's some, they're going to think that every, uh, you think about the people that they're going to assume were religious figures. You know what I mean?
8: At an archaeological dig, centuries in the future. This is what they're going to dig up.
2: And they're going to say and there'll be some uh there will be some uh, Bill Curtis, but like the alien version of the future saying, right. and this man, Barack Obama, appears to have been a religious leader or deity of some kind. And then they'll show like something like a like you a know. Skateboard.
8: Yeah, <laughs> it just feels <laughs> kind of elderly. On it.
2: Yeah. It really does. Yeah. It does today. Yeah. But I mean, centuries in the future? <laughs> oh no. But I mean, is this the first time? This is the first time this has ever happened with the president, right? The the immediate marketing of the president as, as iconography. Yeah. What sort of icons did Bush have for his inauguration? I, I mean would, see with Bush and Clinton, they really only did the kind that were sort of like for people who didn't like them. You know, for Clinton, like, the Republicans, you could buy, like, a Bill Clinton cigar or whatever. Like, all the wacky sort of, like, after the Lewinsky scandal, there was all of this, like, there was the, you know, like, you could buy Bill and Hillary stuff. But it was all, like, buy some wacky, it was like, Hillary Clinton toilet paper. Like, it was all for, like, the right-wing crowd. And the same thing for Bush. I mean, in the kitchen right now, we've got that George Bush quote of the day calendar, which is like a countdown to his, you know, getting an office. Right. But this, I think they did a little bit of this. There was, I think, some of this for Kennedy, but on a much, much, much smaller scale, because he had that sort of. He had that weird, that weird sort of aura about him—the the celebra- the celebrity aura. Well, many of these
8: trinkets didn't even exist back in the '60s, '70s, '80s, or, or, or even '90s. Uh, skateboards did, but whoever thought about putting a president's face plastered See, all over somebody's skateboard? That's the
2: thing, and of course, not to work blue. Uh, but it, well, on Friday, I think somebody was sent us where there's like an Ob- there's an Obama um, uh, marital aid uh, that, that you can now buy I online. Mean, pardon? A what? Uh, marital a marital aid dildo. Uh, that has Barack Obama's face on it, which is like, I, it, it, you know, and I, it just seems like he is already the most merchandised politician probably that we've, that we've ever had, except, again, for people who've been scandalized. Like, there was a lot of Richard Nixon stuff, but, again, that's all because he'd been booted out of office and they were selling, like, Richard Nixon $3 bills. But or the
3: whatever. fanaticism is almost Reagan-esque
2: in a way. It is. See, that's yeah. the thing. It really is. He See, that you can already see that that's a really astute observation. I should point out, by the way, that Christian's like way smarter than I am. And so she knows uh, she has she does thinking about politics and stuff that he really you can already tell that the left is attempting to position him as like their Reagan. Mm-hmm. Like he is the he will be like they've just decided it like before he's even done anything. They've right. just decided
3: like 20 years from now, we'll be talking about Obamonomics. So,
2: totally. Hey, yeah. have you trademarked you, you got that Obamonomics dot com? Uh, no. Do it now. Seriously. Okay. No lie. Do it now. If it's not already. I'm going to look. I'm gonna see right now if it's taken. Hold on, in real time. I'm
3: gonna see, see if I can beat you. All
2: right, but meanwhile, I gotta <laughs> hand it to Obama for
8: uh, you know, if people can uh, jumpstart this economy by making a couple of bucks off of his likeness, I think he's all. Oh no. At this Dr- point.
2: no, oh, I'm not a offend- fan. You know what, uh, Obama. See, someone who's about to lose their home on Thursday is going to be able to buy another oh, home next Tuesday. Not available. Tony. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It is the American way. Yeah. I mean, to just take that guy and just, just ring him for every dollar you can. That's if, fine. If
8: you can make, a, you know, like a bunch of money off of finger puppets and skateboards. That and... seems, I,
2: for reasons maybe it's because I have, uh, like, uh, like liberal white guilt or something. For, some, for reasons I can't really quantify, the Barack Obama finger puppet seems offensive to me. I can't quite figure out why. <laughs> In a way that, like, the plate doesn't. What would his uh, right. confident smile and kind eyes. Right. Well
3: how about the the painted quarter that they have for him? Right. The right. silver
2: uh, the silver oh, dollar The, coin, whatever silver it is. Dollar the Barack whatever Obama it is. coin. Yeah. 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 So they have all that at Walgreens, by the way. Like
3: some Nigerian currency or something?
2: Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's not made here. It was yeah. made in some other some other place. So um well on any event. So there you go. And so forth. Here is one more tchotchke I just
8: gotta tell you about. This. Please do. And this and you know, I know you say please do, but I know you're really saying please don't, but it's only one. There is an Obama cologne that is coming out. Really? I don't know who's manufacturing yet, but it's called POTUS 1600. POTUS is the anagram for President of the United States. P O T U
2: S. POTUS 1600 is the name of the cologne.
8: It sells for thirty nine ninety
2: nine. What do you suppose it smells like? And I'm not asking this like wackily. I mean, honestly, what do they? It's like there's um, there was Jordan. I think Michael Jordan at one point had two different colognes, mm-hmm. um, and which is odd. I you know and it never it never succeeded and I it, and I could have predicted that it wouldn't that was back when they were thinking that they could just you know when Jordan kind of had that magic touch where anything he did succeeded and I could have told them the Michael Jordan cologne wasn't going to work because first of all like a woman's not going to wear a Michael Jordan cologne and secondly it seems vaguely homoerotic for, for a guy, to, for wear a guy wear to wear it. And so I think most straight guys would be like, I'm not going to put some dude's smell all
8: over me. No, Screw that. But I'll put Burger King's cologne all over my armpits and smell like a flame broiled Whopper.
2: Well, that's different. That's that's just beef. <laughs> it's what's for dinner. <laughs> um, but you know what? I mean, that's that's like a guy wasn't going to be like, I want to smell like Michael Jordan. Like a guy wasn't going to do that. So I could have predicted that. you know. You know what will probably succeed, though, is the Prince cologne. Because he is sort of weirdly androgynous. So that would, I mean, you know, that would be like that CK-1 or something. So Barack Obama cologne. All right. Uh, and, oh, later on, by the way, this hour we'll talk to senior Radio Correspondent, Lisa Desjardins in the Hill, who's got that more about the inauguration. More from Todd Tulsa when we get back. Uh, later on in the 2 o'clock hour, we'll do the top five. Top five rock band songs that are much harder to perform than you might imagine. Ooh, speaking of which, don't let me forget. We've got the inauguration edition of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. Oh. And we've actually got two of them, so we'll flip a coin about which one we're going to do today, whether the other one tomorrow. Uh, We are live. It is Monday, the uh, 19th. Back after this, the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere.
10: the office down the hall, it's good to see you buddy, how have you been, things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now, I really wish you'd let us in. You're all gonna
7: die screaming
10: All we want to do is eat your brains We're not unreasonable I mean no one's gonna eat your eyes All we want to do is eat your brains We're at an impact here Maybe we can compromise If you open up come inside and eat your brain. I don't want a nitpick, Tom, but is this really your plan? Spend your whole I mean, no one's going to meet your eyes.
7: All oh, we
10: want to do is your brains. We're at an end here. Maybe we should compromise.
2: It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. They're the one and only Jonathan Colton. Uh, Jonathan Colton will be at the uh, Aladdin Theater this coming Friday, by the way. Uh, Tickets available at, I think you just go to the jonathancolton.com and find out more. Uh, And he'll be uh, joining us on the program on Wednesday. Uh, We'll have an interview with Jonathan Colton on Wednesday and then he's at the Aladdin this coming Friday. That song is called Re Your Brains. Uh here's what's uh, on the immediate horizon. Uh, senior radio correspondent Lisa uh, Desjardins joining us here in a few. Next hour, we'll be doing the top five top five rock band songs that are much harder uh, to play than they uh, might appear. What else? Um, another installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. We have a two-parter. First part today, second part tomorrow, inaugural edition. More news with Todd Toltis. This, however, is a phone call. Hello. Hi. You're on The Rick Emerson Show.
13: Hello, Rick. Hello. Hi. Um, I had a theory I wanted to share about Battlestar Galactica. Of course you did. Um, it's in the same vein as Chris Paddock's uh, prediction
2: uh-huh.
13: with them all being silenced Oh, right. Uh, spoiler alert.
2: Spoiler lol, Yes. So this is uh, this is about Friday's Battlestar Galactica. So uh, so Paddock is speculating, and that's not a spoiler because it's just a, a hunch. But Paddock is speculating that yes, secretly they are all silence. Uh What is your theory?
13: Uh, I'm agreeing with. Him, but I actually have a reason as to why it's possible. Okay. Um, They keep mentioning this thing of this has all happened before and will all happen again. Right. So my thought is uh, let's say, however long ago, humans make Cylons. Yes. Cylons revolt, Cylons make uh, human looking skin jobs.
7: Right. Yes
13: uh at some point cylons and humans make peace and procreate is what it seems to be wait okay
2: so your okay so your theory is humans make cylons cylons revolt cylons evolve into cylons that look human and then uh then the two uh, species interbreed thus creating effectively a sort of a hybrid creature that they that that now everyone is
13: yes but there's more okay Then, uh, centuries later, however, the Uh Cylons-slash-humans, having dismantled Cylons for whatever reason, make Cylons again. Only now they're just Centurions. The Centurions' revolt repeat what just happened over and over again.
2: I see. So this is more of a... Okay, so it's more of a cyclical power struggle that happens between the two species.
13: Yes. So right now... That That's why there were skin jobs on, quote-unquote, Earth uh, 2,000 years ago. All
2: right. Okay. It's all very – see, here's the thing. The, the, the good news, bad news is there's just so many variables and moving parts at this point that any number of these theories – I mean, they could all be right. They could all be wrong. Uh, it's just they're, they're really, uh, it really, it is so uh, tantalizingly open ended right now in Battlestar Galactica that it's. Uh, I have no idea, but I got to tell you, right, wrong, whatever. They only got nine episodes. To, I mean, they got like, even if even if it's true that this that the series finale is three hours long, they really still only got nine episodes of whatever length to, to, to wrap it all up. So I hope they can put it together.
13: Well, do do they actually have all nine recorded right now? Because they might. And get to a point where they just decide, you know what, let's
2: just make it another season. I, no, that's not going to happen. I, and I think they do. I mean, I think they got the other nine episodes already filmed. And I know, I think they've greenlit Caprica, the series, so it's like a prequel series. And I think they've greenlit at least one other mini uh like another film of like six hours or whatever. But I think the problem with Battlestar is like it costs a it Not unlike the original Battlestar Galactica series, um, it cost a lot. But the thing about the original Battlestar that people don't really remember, it it does kind of suck when you watch it now. But at the time, it seemed great, but at the time it cost so much money to make. And it it, it just, you know, it, it was just losing money because the production costs were so high. But the problem is the ratings on the original Battlestar were really good. A lot of people don 't know this. The original Battlestar had really great ratings, but was still losing money because it cost so much and So what the network did is the, the network deliberately moved it into a death slot opposite like Dallas or something uh so that the ratings would go down so that they would then have a justification for canceling it and we're getting a kind of a variation of that theme now where the show is really great, critically respected, lots of love from the audience, but it just they just can't get anybody to watch it. So, you know,
5: anyway. Uh,
13: All right,
2: my that friend. That explains I can't find it
13: online for the longest time.
2: It is uh well, it's, you know, it, that and by the way, the, the Sci-Fi channel has done a really spectacularly poor job of marketing that show. So they yes. they've they are just full of fail on the on the advertising front. So All right, my friend. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, I'd like to leave you with the uh no, I'm sorry. My potted up over there. Now that time. Now my timing's all off. I was gonna play. Well, instead of the instead of the shiny guy, I'll just do the. Uh... If you
11: do squish it, it does have a a, a reaction. Or it emits a, an acid that can cause like dermatitis to people.
2: All right, there you go. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program.
11: Hi, Rick. Um, two things. Yes. One is that um, there's a wonderful video, World of Warcraft video
6: to re your brains. <laughs>
11: Hey, hold
2: on, hold on, just let's stop now, because now this is like concentric layers of nerddom. So That's that song awesome. about zombies by Jonathan Coulton, there is actually a World of Warcraft video accompanying a song about zombies by that guy, Jonathan <laughs> Coulton.
11: Yes, there is, and okay. if you want it, I will send the uh, URL for please, you, Please, please do. It's the best thing yeah. ever. Thank you. The other is that I tuned in just before the commercial break. Yes. Could you tell me who that guy with the sexy voice was?
2: His name is Rick Emerson, and he can be heard
11: <laughs>
6: every day.
2: I'm sorry, it's a cheap joke. Okay. You shouldn't other, even laugh. Other that
6: Todd t- Toltis. I guess that must be it. I didn't hear his name.
2: Say this. Uh, Todd, say this. Say, um, say Tom Hartman wears leather underwear.
8: Tom Hartman wears leather underwear. Ooh, baby.
2: Wow. Okay. Uh, yes, he can be reached at uh, imagingvoice.com, miss. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, Is there anything you'd like? Uh, is there anything you'd like Todd to say? What is your name?
11: My name's Sarah.
2: Uh, Sarah, is there anything you'd like uh, for us to have Todd say? Oh, I can't think of anything. Surprise me. Tom, is there? Any, uh, Tom, Todd, is there anything you'd like to say to uh, to Sarah?
8: Sarah wears leather underpants.
2: Ooh, how'd you know? All right, we're gonna take the rest of this. Uh, you can finish that off the air, kids. All right, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks. All right, there you go. That's Todd Toltus. All right. Hello, Todd Tulsis. Hi, Rick Emerson. How are you? Good. Hi, Kristen. Hello. All right. Um, hey, uh, can uh, somebody—and by somebody, I mean either Kristen or Richie—track uh, down, see what the deal is with Lisa Desjardins, because uh, I think she's. I think she's late calling us, which is fine. I know she's probably very busy. I just want to make sure that we don't. I want to make sure that we don't work ourselves into a corner here, time-wise. All right. In the meantime, uh, once again at the news desk, it's Tom us.
8: Top of the news of the day, uh, of course, here in the Portland area, big uh, winds in the East County, Portland metro area downed power lines, uh, trees, fences, caused lots of, quite a quite a bit of property damage, no injuries as we know it, though, 6,000 people without power this morning uh, at last check with uh, Portland General Electric. Gresham firefighters answered over 100 calls just for downed power lines alone.
2: Oh, by the way, and, usually, and, I, and I really, it's not like I'm going to make every single thing today about either zombies or World of Warcraft, but I do have to say... So there was the huge uh, windstorm last night, and so the wind was, you know, howling outside. And so Laura and I had this other couple over, and so we're having the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the you know, dinner and whatever. Right. And then we playing Left 4 Dead, which is this uh, this zombie killing game for the, for the 360. <laughs> and the, at a certain point, and you can only do we only have the one TV, so you can only do two players at once. So uh, you know, so it's like the the uh, the, the the you know, the, like the girls are taking their turn, and then it's like then you know, then then like somebody would die, and so then a guy would step in, and anyway, so we we're all kind of rotating our way through the game, but inevitably by the end of the night, it was just the guy and I, uh, just this guy Mark and I playing, and the girls are sort of sitting in the couch pretending to be interested, and Mark and I are you know, and we're playing our way, battling our way through an airport, and we're playing this uh, this map that is an airport, and you end up on the runway, and it's just the worst thing happened. Where we were, I, I don't know. We were within, I don't know. I'd say five, six, seven, eight minutes of finishing the game, and then uh, the wind knocked the power out of my house. Oh, so it did go out at your place? Yeah, it did. Just briefly, though. Just long enough to turn the game off. Oh, and then, and final note about this. So we're playing the game last night, and we're like, hey, we're almost at the airport. All right, you gas up the plane, and I will get, I'll get a flame thrower or whatever. <laughs> and so we're busy doing this, and then you hear a, you know, the, the wind is rushing outside, and then there's like a. <laughs> And all the power in the house goes off. And then (sniffs) it comes back up. So the power went out of the house just long enough to kill the power to the Xbox as we were approaching the finale. But then, and everybody out there will feel my pain on this, when the Xbox came back on, just the red ring of death right (laughs) right around the button. And everybody who has an Xbox knows what I'm talking about. Because the red ring of death is like the blue screen of death that indicates that your box may be fried. (laughs) And immediately... This guy Mark looks at the Xbox and he looks at me and he's all, "Dude!" And I walked over, very carefully, turned it off, turned it back on, went away. No issues.
3: That's I, when you start cooing at your box. And seriously, like, okay, come on, just start working. This, please, please, please.
2: Exactly. It's it just just for one moment though. I experienced the, I experienced the fear. Uh, is this Richie? Is this Lisa Desjardins? Richie, are you in fact in your room at all? Okay. <laughs> okay, just checking. I'm just one can't take these things for granted. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Vision. And Hello there. How are you?
1: Hey, how's it going? It's going
2: very well. How was your weekend? Satisfying in every regard, I hope.
1: It was very, it was very satisfying. Yes. All right.
2: Uh, so it's uh, quite a uh, quite a last few couple of days for you, and then of course, uh, yeah. climaxing uh, with tomorrow's inauguration and the swearing in and the hey hey and the uh, whatever. So how many people are they saying now are going to be there?
1: Nobody. You know, everybody is too chicken to make a really good estimate, but the latest is a million to two million. I'll tell you that standing out um, pretty close to where Barack Obama is going to stand and looking out at the uh, Washington Monument, it honestly, the crowd today looks about as big as the crowd that I see. Uh, on the 4th of July, which is uh, probably about a million people. And that's today. That's when there's absolutely nothing going on. And this is people milling around uh, wanting to partake in democracy, apparently. Uh,
2: So uh, why are there people there today? Are these just people that are camping out because they want a good seat?
1: I think some people are because uh, if you go, you know, there's those 240,000 tickets, and some of those tickets are uh, still about half, almost half a mile away And, and, but beyond that, beyond that kind of half mile range, uh, the, the National Mall is just open. You don't have to go through security. You can just show up. So I think a lot of people have shown up today to try and stake their spots. But honestly, it's more, um, it's almost like the feeling either leading up to or right after a huge, um, you know, football or baseball game. People just kind of want to be around each other and people are just walking around and taking pictures of, I have seen so many people take pictures of porta potties and, uh, not without reason, actually, because there, there is a, a, an alarming, alarming number of porta potties, maybe more than the barricades, actually. But people are just t- t- taking pictures. They, they just want to kind of be around each other and look at the Capitol and smile and hug. <laughs> it's just really there's, there's this, pretty amazing.
2: There's this whole feeling of just a. Uh... This whole feeling of just togetherness just rubs me the wrong way. The whole thing, I just... It's all creepy. The, it, I thought that it would. I, I just... Yeah, it's all very off-putting, all of this sort of, like, uh, happiness and brotherly love and so forth. The, the, I don't know what was going on yesterday, if there was actually any kind of event happening, but they were, I was watching the news and they were talking about... There was somebody, and I forget exactly who it was, but there was somebody reporting on this, you know, this sort of conglomeration of folks that was already there yesterday and they, they were talking about the subways and the, and the, the toilets and the whatever and and the woman was actually saying she said look i mean there's there's only like a fraction of the people here today this is on sunday that are going to be here for the inauguration i can't imagine how this is all going to work on tuesday without there just being just disaster of some kind i mean there was just that everything yeah. it was going to be overwhelmed and i'm not i'm not rooting for disaster as such the way i typically do you but are. i mean i you I'm are kind of,
1: you are rooting for disaster I mean, a little, you are
2: okay so i am a little bit i mean i'm just saying like it just It just seems like no matter how much preparation you make, you can only take, like, a chunk of land and in the space of, like, however many days or weeks, make it ready for, like, two million people. That just doesn't – that's not a thing that you can do. I mean, it just seems like inevitably the center cannot hold.
1: Well, I think part of the difference here is that you also have to hold those people there for a long time, especially the people going to the parade. You know, that is a secure area, the parade, that you've got to go through a checkpoint – And to get to the parade, which starts at 2.30 in the afternoon here, you actually probably have to get down there around 8 a.m. at the very latest, maybe even a little bit before then Uh when they open up the gate. So a lot of the people are going to be down there on the parade grounds. You can't really bring much food. You can bring like a 6-inch by 8-inch bag. They're going to be just down there waiting in the cold for the parade. And and all told, they'll probably be down there 10 hours. And it's going to be like 18 (laughs)
2: degrees, right? I mean, it's not going to be Um, warm.
1: Probably about 30. It, it warmed up a little bit today, which is good. I think people, people are happy. But you know, you're right. Every, it is a strange balance. I think people are generally very happy, very excited. But when you don't like someone, there's a weird, there's a very weird dynamic. Like the people, we went to the, there was a big concert at the Lincoln Memorial. And we went to that last night. And, uh, the people in front of us were really kind of, kind of jerky. Mm-hmm. And, and all of us, including the people behind us, like, we all had, we were all very conflicted about it because everyone was all be happy love, and we were all kind of looking at each other like, how do we deal with these people who are jerks? When we're supposed to really, what do we do? You know, and we all kind of didn't do anything, and then we all felt bad about it later. Like, we we're all like, we should have done something. They were jerks.
2: I, uh, by the way, I'm just going to say that I'm counting down now to the obligatory story of the baby that's born at the inauguration. <laughs> You know, or like the yes. uh, you know, or like the guy who proposes to his girlfriend at some slack moment between like between like you two and, and Melissa Etheridge or whoever else is performing there. I mean these are all things that you know will happen, right? These are just givens.
1: Well, a moment that you might actually embrace they've had everybody came and rehearsed for tomorrow and they had Yo Yo Ma was rehearsing and just uh-huh. did beautiful girls and boys choirs. And then Aretha Franklin showed up maybe an hour or so ago to rehearse. They played her music for her. And she sort of starts singing just a little bit, and then she stops. The music keeps going, and she then decides she's just going to gesture as if she were singing uh, the entire time.
7: That's so odd. So they couldn't
1: actually do a sound check. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic diva moment. Like, I'm going to just gesture as though I were singing. <laughs> you know, maybe she's got a voice problem right now and she's being careful, but it was a great, very awkward kind of diva situation there. And so
2: then here's a, here's a silly question. So when everything is sort of done and finished, I mean, there's going to be yeah. like, two, like 2 million people all trying to get out of there at once. I mean, that's got to be, I mean, no. I, can't, yeah. I do not envy the cops who are working tomorrow. That
1: is, you you hit on it. That, that is where the problem's going to be. Coming in is going to be a pain, but because everyone's going to come in at their own pace, it's going to be a little bit more staggered. Everyone is going to try to leave. There or there'll be probably the majority of people will try to leave immediately after uh, the inaugural ceremony's over, and that—that that is going to be the real test, right there, right around 12:30 our time, 9:30 your time.
2: Are you doing jazzercise or something while we're speaking?
1: <laughs> I know. Well, I'm. I just had to walk from one part of the security perimeter into another, and so I just didn't want to stop in a strange place where the police were like, "Who are you? What are you doing?" Um, and and yeah, so on the I phone. don't,
2: you know, even even for me, I don't I don't wish to be uh, unduly uh, negative on the day before the uh, the inauguration because I mean look, you, it's easy to say, you know, well, like, you know, look, he shouldn't have run if he didn't if he didn't want to like have this big bag of problems handed to him. But I mean, it, it, that guy already does. It, he, it, how do I put this? I, I think I've said this a few different times, but it, and it, it, the feeling has never really gone away that every time I see Barack Obama, you know, on TV when they're talking about the transition. I don't know what it is man. I just get this strange sense of deja vu which is very much and I don't mean this in a snarky way. I do get this big this strange Jimmy Carter deja vu off, off of it. Really? It, it, it. well in that in in that you know and and again i don't I'm not old enough to remember a lot of specifics about that time, but I do remember the vibe and I remember the I always say that I remember the tone I remember how it felt uh you know at that time and and you know Carter especially Carter into Reagan and you think about. Carter, who there are some parallels there, right? Right, where, where where he, you know, he, coming right. out of uh, Nixon, is unbelievably corrupt and just, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the Ford who was tainted from the very beginning, yeah. and then Carter, who
1: economic world crisis, yeah, yeah, and,
2: and the energy crisis and the whatever and the auto crisis, and Carter, who you know, a lot of people are like, who, what, he's, you know, who, what, what are you talking about? He's, you know, so he's, you know, he's some, you know, like. He's a, one of
1: our- us. Yeah, was that he's you. one of us. Yeah.
2: Yes. Peanut farming uh, you know, governor and whatever, and everybody was sort of, I, I don't get it. And he came in and inherited just the very definition of a pig and a poke. I mean, just a thing that was so broken that there was no fixing it. And did really a yeoman's job, but didn't fix it fast enough or, or, or completely enough uh, for the American people, who then handed everything huh. over to Reagan. And you do almost wonder if 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 that if the specter of the carter administration looms over barack obama every moment where he's thinking like look everybody sort of gave me this opportunity but if i but but, but you know with with great uh you know w- with this great crisis comes the expectation of a great solution and if i don't do it am i going to hand am i going to hand everything back to the republicans in 4 years
1: well i'll tell you i think i think there are a lot of differences between carter and and obama in how they approach things but I think we don't know. I think think that's possible. I think um, among the the things that's the same about them is the last time that Democrats, or any party for that matter, had complete control of government to this extent was under Jimmy Carter. And he even had um, a larger kind of filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. Right now it looks like the Democrats will be one vote short of that. So, but, but that was the last time that Democrats had this much control, and, and Republicans say it was the best gift they ever got. Right. So, you know, I, who knows? I think, I think Democrats, Nancy Pelosi specifically is really aware of that and trying to be more pragmatic, but I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to turn out.
2: Um, okay, so on that note, uh, I'll let you go. Now, I know that tomorrow is going to be insane, so we'll probably only have a few minutes yeah, to ho- talk tomorrow.
1: Yeah, hopefully we'll get to, exactly. It's going to um, be, hopefully, I think it should be incredible. You know
2: what, and, and in the spirit of uh, of American unity and patriotism, I will wait until at least Wednesday to give you any of the ideas for great Republican dirty tricks that came to me over the weekend. Okay, okay, great. All right, all right. So, uh, as always, enjoy your afternoon. We'll talk to you soon, Lisa. Okay, great. There you go, Lisa Desjardins. All right. Well, let's take a brief break. We'll come back after this. On the other side, Todd Tulsis continues to give you the news in his mellifluous tones. Gee, thanks. Uh, Let's see what else. Uh, We'll do the uh, top five. Top five uh, rock band songs that are much harder to perform than you would think. And it's the worst song you've ever heard. Inaugural edition, Part one of two. Plus, uh, let's see, I'm looking at the phones. We have more. uh, For instance, David has uh, more Battlestar observations. So stay there. Back after this, the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We return around the corner. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Joined today by uh, Todd Tulsis at the news desk and Kristen in for the ailing uh, Sarah Dillon. Uh, by the way, uh, I would like to thank everybody for observing uh, just the basic rules of decorum and not bringing up all of the ick about Sarah's car that Richie was discussing. I heard about program. that earlier today. yeah um... See, I like Sarah, so I'm not even... I'm going gonna... to... Well, we'll revisit that when Sarah's here to uh, to speak to it. <laughs> Until then, we're just going to uh, just gonna pretend that didn't happen. Uh, it 733 uh, uh Still to come, uh, it's the worst song you've ever heard. Inauguration Edition. More news with Todd Tulsis. We'll have uh, Mailman Chris joining us here in a bit for the top five. Top five uh, songs that are much harder on rock band than you would think. How about this email? says Rick. Subject line, Zombies. Rick, the zombie song reminded me to tell you to check out a new application on the Android market for the G1 phone. It's called Zombie Run. Basically, you run this program when you're using your phone for a GPS. You plot your... This sounds fantastic and awful. It says you plot your destination, and the zombie app imposes zombies that you have to avoid slash outrun on the way to your destination. Yesterday, I took it too seriously, and I ran a red light and almost killed a cat. Let me know if you want more info. Uh, makes boring drives/slash commutes a fight for your life. Best show ever.
3: That's awesome. I'm contemplating getting that phone.
2: So. <laughs> See, yeah, that's the Google phone. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So I, but how much is that thing?
3: It's like 350.
2: Well, it's still less than my BlackBerry was.
3: See, I destroy a phone every six months anyway, so it averages. Out. I,
2: you know, can I tell you this? This BlackBerry that I've got, I have the BlackBerry 8830, uh, which is it's the best phone I've ever had. And it is amazing to me. I mean, I'm jinxing myself now, but it's amazing to me that I haven't inadvertently destroyed it because I'm always losing or breaking things. And so the fact that I still have this and it's only got one little bit of damage. I had a little uh, piece of the plastic that came off, but that's that's it, man. Uh, but that G that Google phone seems pretty seems pretty righteous.
3: It seems it's from what I've been reading. It's pretty rad.
2: And Google, it doesn't see. That's not like one of the like the uh, the the Blackberry Storm thing or whatever, which is like where you know it's bad. Google. That's a strong enough company and brand and their technology – in other words, I have faith that I wouldn't buy the Google phone and then they discontinue it like the next day or something. Like it seems like they're in stuff for the long haul.
5: Oh, yeah, totally. I trust They're
2: going to
3: take over the world.
2: As a competitor to, to Apple, I trust Google. Mm-hmm. So, um, Hey, speaking of nerd things, Todd told us. No, that's me. Uh, is it true that you uh, – I hope now – we. I don't want to jinx – and I know how you actors are. I don't want to jinx anything. But uh, – so, but you just auditioned for, or going to be auditioning for, a video game?
8: Yeah, I auditioned for a video game. Actually, I got the script on on Friday, and uh, so I had sort of all weekend to research the uh, the script. This is a video game, apparently, that it's already been produced in Japan. It's it's on a Wii platform. It's it's a Nintendo game. Um, and so I had some time. The producers want the talents who are auditioning for the voices who are going to be featured in this video game. They want them to go over the the game, the history of the game, the breakdown of the characters, what they're like, what they sound like, and the, and they sent along some lines. And the talents of which I, you know, call myself. You are the talents. Stop it! Tell him the capital T. And uh, and and then we we record some lines in our little home studios and we fire them off to uh, our
2: agents and they fire them off to.
8: Uh,
2: the and finale. so is this uh, now? Uh, Again, I don't wish to it. Jin- jinx it or reveal too much, but is it like a, is it a, is the character a, a, an adult, a, an alien, a child? A... Well, I only auditioned for the adult characters. There is a, another
8: character in here that is like a 30 to 40 year old male, and oh, I'm sorry, a 20 to 30 year old male, uh, Kirishima. And uh, but uh, you no, could pass for a twenty year old. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, but but you know, why bother? Because right. I I think I can just about I can just about reach all the other characters. Right, right. So
2: well, that's so. And, I mean, is it so? Is it? I wonder if it's just the same game where they basically just almost like overdubbing, or if they actually change if they create a whole separate set of see the the video game dialogue thing is fascinating to me because because you you must be doing most of those lines if not all of them out of context because it's not like a movie where it's linear where it always goes in the same way like a video game the dialogue changes probably depending on what's happening at any given moment right or what move you
8: make or, yeah so yeah. it's got
2: to be almost devoid of context and you still got to make it it's still got to sound like it like it like it fits right so that's got to be challenging
8: uh I, you know I, again i i only uh, got to read about the you know the breakdown of the uh, of the game uh, yesterday and it's apparently it's has something to do with kidnapping um, these these young girls at a very early age, and then they are re, reunited uh, with each other years later. And uh, I think reenactments and uh, rescues are uh,
2: are
8: are taking place. That's Here, the best I can make it.
2: Here's of. the thing: uh, the uh, well, and I know that. Look how, how how do I put this? This is a Japanese game. I let's just be honest. There's idea. something. There's something really wrong with certain parts of Japanese gaming culture. Let's just. I mean, I'm not going to. It's not. Well, it's not th-
3: with their television as well. I was going to say. Let's
2: <laughs> let's <laughs> not pretend that's not true. There's something really broken uh, about about a certain part of about a certain part of the Japanese gaming psyche, because they come up with games that are fantastic, but they just make no sense or are just flat out disturbing. Here's the true story. Last night we're playing Left 4 Dead, which is again a very intense game. And my wife said, like, this game is stressing me out. I need to play something calm. So this guy, Mark, who was there, he's like, I got just the game. So he goes to the Xbox uh, online store, and there was, like, a free download, like, a demo version of this game. And I forget what it's called. But it's – I wish I could remember, it. it's almost pointless now because I don't know the name of it. But – it is, it's a game clearly made for people that are on acid or other, some sort of other drug. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, I mean, this is a, which I don't say is like a pejorative. I mean, whatever. I mean, but it is obviously a game meant for people that are just as high as a paper kite. It, it takes place, as do a lot of Japanese games, in like a happy fairy pixie land with like butterscotch trees and gumdrop rivers or whatever. Uh, and there's like a guy with a weird, like disproportionate head and a smile. And uh, you, you are quite literally... There's no way to say this without not making it sound insane, uh, you know, without making it sound insane, but I mean, it just is. So, you, the hero of the game, are in fact a sort of vaguely human character the size of a flea who is rolling a giant adhesive ball. And Kristen Bowie knows what I'm talking yes, about.
3: Yes, I can't remember the name of but the it's game, like, but it's fantastic.
2: Hoshitama, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Exactly. But and, anyway, so th- th- basically, you're rolling a huge ball of duct tape. And the whole point, at least, of this part of the game was literally just to roll the ball of, let's say, duct tape or putty or whatever, you know, or it's like an adhesive ball, to roll it around a village picking things up and the ball getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, like, you would roll the ball over, like, a marble, and then you'd roll the ball over, like, a pencil or a cow. Mm -hmm. And every time you roll the ball over something, the something sticks to it, and then the ball becomes bigger. And so eventually the ball is so big... I mean, this sounds insane as if I was describing it. The, the, the ball becomes so big that you're, like, rolling it over houses, and they're sticking to the ball. And the goal is to get the ball as big as you possibly can at the end of two minutes.
3: And you're supposed to, like, use it to save the world and put everything back where it goes. It's awesome.
2: But, of course, everything in the game is shiny and bright and pink and goes yeah! a lot. And it's all, it's like the weirdest thing. It makes no sense. I mean, it's just, it's. It is just like looking into just like the mind of a crazy person. It's like
3: I... Mister Happy's Puzzle Land or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's some crazy name. Yeah. But it has, yeah,
2: some you know, like one of those like you know, like happy, happy smile family fun ball gather sparkle wish <laughs> program fun. <laughs> joy. But there has to be
8: some sort of conflict here, though. Can the no. ball be stopped?
3: No. Apparently, he's like this evil guy who has taken over the world or something and removed everything from it, and you have to put it all back where it belongs.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, you... With a ball of duct tape. It may, but it makes no sense at all. I mean. It was a lot of fun apparently to play I was watching them play it, but I mean it just
3: it got great reviews on the DS
2: I mean it's a great looking game but it's like you wonder what the pitch meeting for that is like like how and maybe it's easier like with you know with Japanese gaming companies because they do have a more flexible flexible idea of what constitutes a game and again it looks like it's a lot of fun but I mean here in America it has to be very like look uh, you're a World War II soldier and you got to fight Nazis but they're zombie Nazis and then uh, you gotta kill Hitler with a chainsaw, and then you gotta nuke the whole thing from orbit. a
3: very doom-esque. Yeah,
2: And guys go like, and the guy at the company goes, "All right, we can sell that to the 18 to 34 year old male demographic. You're approved." Whereas like, can you imagine going, "Okay, now you're a sprite, and you're an inch t- you're an inch tall, but you're rolling around a huge pink ball that's sticky." And it's a 100 times your size, but then you're in a village where everything glows and jumps up and down, but then you've got to pick up cows with the ball. And then the more cows you stick on the side of the ball, the more adhesive power the ball gets, and then eventually you're picking up houses as you roll the ball around the village. I'm going to have to go pick that up tonight. And and then there's just like a long silence where the guy looks at you, and then the uh, security guards escort you out to the street. I mean, it makes no sense, but but apparently
5: it debuted
2: the, the rave reviews. So, you gotta I mean,
3: understand the culture in Tokyo is a little bit more cartoonish than American culture. Yes, in a
2: way, so. yes, that's the sense yeah. I'm getting. So. Anyway, so you're going to be the voice of a, you know, if you get the gig, you'll be the voice of some uh, some character with huge eyes and tentacles. Yeah, I I
8: don't know. I, I I these may be humanoid in in development.
3: They're never humanoid in Japanese games.
8: They are never no. humanoid. No. No. ever. Hey, I have no. some lines here. I you know, I Do I, you realize these up actual the
2: lines from the game? Yeah. Excellent.
8: Yeah. All right. I do. This one, um, this particular character is described as a warm baritone male capable of a very stern and commanding delivery as well as an understated fatherly affection. That's you to a T, the way. That brother. sounds like me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, So the line is like this. Try this on, Ruka. I made it just for you. At last, everything is complete. I was worried this time would never come, but soon we will awaken the place I saw in my dreams. It is a quiet place, and this is
2: just the beginning. Okay, seriously. That's awesome. I'd hire you to just... I'm going to hire you just to pretend to be me. Oh, okay. And you're going to stand behind me, and I'm going to open my mouth and move my lips, but then you will actually speak for me, because you have the best voice I've ever heard. You
3: can make it like you're in a realistic video game.
2: We didn't. Well, she, Sarah's not here, so I can say this. Uh well, this is awkward. There's no way to pretend that this isn't awkward. I'm about to say, but you know, you know what you really have in spades, Todd Tolson. Oh, what's that? You have uh, what Sarah sometimes refers to, and it's always in a, like a like a lifetime movie. You have what Sarah refers to as the uh, the sexy dad thing going on. The sexy dad thing, where it's like the guy who is presumably the father figure, but he's always got this sort of understated like masculine sexiness. You've totally you've nailed that. You've got that down. So uh, well done on that front. Oh, sir. thanks. Uh, that wasn't an awkward. And so, but you, I mean, that you really do have the uh, you have the voice of of uh, commanding yet comforting authority. You've totally got that.
8: Oh, thanks. Uh, well, you know that that'll be great. Here's here's another here's a real quick one in here too. This is um, this is a uh, uh, this is a painter, a guy you know, who paints pictures, and right. I think maybe like maybe sort of a hero's thing where like they see the future, you know, as he paints the pictures, okay. sort of a thing. He has one line. He says. All will be erased and then all will blossom.
2: Okay. You here's the thing is you just uh, you just sound so regal that I feel like if I speak afterward I'm just sullying. Something. Oh nonsense. I feel like I'm just a finger painting on a Picasso. So oh. when
3: you get the part where you sign my copy? Of course. Awesome.
2: Yeah, course. excellent. Well, all right then. Uh, well, let's uh, get some of these uh, calls. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Well done, sir.
7: Thanks. How are you today,
11: Rick?
2: I'm fantastic. What's up?
11: Hey, on you know, I mean, the uh, whole creationism, you know, they've uh, got now on this uh, who created who. You know, I when I was growing. up... Are you talking like, about
2: Battlestar Galactica?
11: Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Sir. I thought I was... we might
2: be talking about actual creationism you, for a second. Okay. It? Yes. Go ahead.
11: No, 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 this isn't this isn't the Mormon channel. I'm sorry, sir. Okay. <laughs> Okay. But, uh, that I saw a T-shirt when I was growing up from the first series. It said it had uh, flying through space. It said Battlestar Prophylactica with a condom flying through outer space. As like a tie fight, as like one of the fighters. Okay. It's an in- interesting <laughs> creation.
2: Yes, I got. Yes, I got it. All right, excellent. Do you uh, have anything else on, on that subject, sir?
11: No, that no, will be it for today.
2: All right, excellent. Thank you, my friend.
12: Okay.
11: okay.
2: There we All right. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson show. Hello.
12: Um, hey, I have the name of the game with the sticky ball
2: you were talking about. I bet you do. What is the What is the name of the game, sir?
12: Uh, it's um, it's a well. The first one was called Katamari Damashi. Yeah, I don't know. If that's the one. I but... think
2: that's the one we were playing last night, yes. Calamari Dimash? Calamari, Oh, I think. I think. yeah. Yes.
12: Yeah, I used to play it at my friend's house. So it was on the PS2, but I didn't know you can get it on the Xbox Marketplace. That makes me want to get it now.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, it is a downloadable content for the Xbox 360, sir. Yeah,
12: yeah, I like that game. It's pretty, it's really entertaining for how stupid it is.
2: It is, uh, now, uh, were you, uh, not that I advocate this sort of thing, were you under the influence of any kind of chemical while playing this?
13: No, I was like 10. Oh, well, never mind.
2: Okay. Well, I'm not suggesting that you do it, sir. Your body is uh, Jesus' temple.
13: Yeah. Don't do drugs. Okay. Well, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Thank you.
2: That's wonderful. Th- thanks Thanks so much.
13: Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right.
2: Hello, Todd. Do you ever regret coming on this show? You've been here actually several times now because we're big fans of you. Oh yeah. Uh, the, uh, do you ever come on this program and sometimes in the back of your mind, in your golden tones, you, why am I here? Oh no. This was phenomenally ill-advised. Oh no. No, I I really I I have enjoy brought it every of the whole
8: family. This is my third time here. Yes, it is. I uh, it gets more and more fun each time. I was uh, you know almost uh, terrified the first day that I was here. Uh, so
4: I'm terrified of what?
8: Oh, uh yeah, well, it's a couple of things. You know, first of all, you, you and I we we never met before and suddenly I'm thrust in front of a microphone next to you and uh, and I'm supposed to be, you know, glib and entertaining and uh, and come up with pithy quotes and 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 I'm s- sitting in the chair that uh, Tim Riley sat in and then trying to fill his shoes and uh, you know, can anything be more terrifying
4: than that? Well, that is true.
2: That is the one that I'll grant you that that the uh, trying to fill Tim Riley's stylish shoes. Is a uh, that's a that's a that is a Herculean task. Yeah, so, yeah. So I I you know quite a bit on
8: my on my plate here, and uh, so and but you know you know by the by the uh, by the end of the day, boy, I I felt uh, much more at home in the, the second uh, time. Uh, I was much more relaxed, and uh, now the third no, you're time. you're part of the like, family. Uh, so. It seems like old friends now. Uh,
2: well, I should do this because we're we're getting a little behind. So I should take us into break here with one of the uh, worst songs you've ever heard, and then we'll break. We'll come back, and I think uh, hold on a second here. Hey, Richie, is Chris here? All right, you know, something's wrong with the intercom. It's, it's dying a slow sort of a Vader kind of a. It is too late for me, kind of a death. Um, so I'll tell you what. We'll play one of these uh, songs of the break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll do uh, more news with Todd Tulsus, We'll do the top five uh, rock band songs, much harder to perform than you would think. I got two different songs here, and I could either flip a coin or I could let you all choose, uh, Todd and Kristen. I got uh, one that is not a parody as such, but it's an updating of a of a, of a classic song. Uh, and the other is an original composition. They're both awful in different ways. Do you wish to hear the updating of a classic song, or do you wish to hear the original composition today? You choose. Choose and perish.
3: I'm almost leaning towards the original composition.
8: Uh, you see, and for me, I'd like the updating because then we'll know exactly what we were uh, dealing with in the first place. Right. Well,
3: you know, he's here a lot less than I
8: am. All
2: right, we'll do that one then. So that's that's probably just as well because the, the second one I think is more horrible. Uh, Chris Paddock, uh, as is always the case, uh, hooked me up with this. Uh, you all may remember um, Solid as a Rock by Ashford mm-hmm. and Simpson. Yeah. Uh, Solid as a Rock, Our Love, Baby, or whatever that song is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 1982, 4, something like that. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, I give you the updated version, uh, just and for- And for
7: love's sake, just for he inauguration. decided to make a promise to us all. And when he wrote the audacity of hope, we could make a change. There's more!
2: I mean, far be it for me to criticize anyone's optimism. Things like this make me embarrassed for all humanity.
3: They put in their best effort.
8: At least it has reasonable production value. No, that's
2: true. Well, this is the original artist, you know. This isn't as bad as that uh, Sophie B. Hawkins thing. Before that she did for Hillary Clinton where it was like, damn, I wish you were president, which is like you're straining to even make the meter work.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
2: This really is just like the smoothest, most Teflon music. It just goes right over your brain and right out of your back again.
3: Welcome to k Light.
2: Seriously. K-103. I, to say, I was just thinking that. Do you think this has been added to their playlist today? Playing in a safe way right now. Near hey, you. real real quickly here before we break. Uh, Todd, you, uh, you know, of course, uh, imagingvoice.com yes. uh, is your website. So uh, you might want to hear, I think you were not here when we played this. I'll play it real quickly here. This is a demo that uh, CBS Radio Portland received from an imaging company a while back. Oh, great. And, of course, the imaging companies are companies that, like, our, our voice guy here, uh, you know, they send out demos of, like, hey, if you're looking for a station voice, I might be your guy. Right. And, then, like, they give examples of, exactly. here's Rock 105 and whatever. This is a demo of an imaging package uh, that we here at CBS Radio uh, could have, if we so wished, customized for our radio station. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the... Uh...
8: Mm.
7: Productions, Obama,
1: uniting
7: our country, America, Obama, a moment in our history,
10: Obama, it's
2: the same, Obama. it sounds like the same people who did the last song. Together. You right. Obama. Edge
5: Productions.
8: There you go.
2: Yeah. Unbelievably, I have a demo of that that runs for almost two minutes, oh so God. we're not going to play All Obama, all the time. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, more from Todd Toltis. We'll do the top five and more. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We continue next. We are live on January 19th. Back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming along. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, not that you didn't properly already suspect this, but I guess there are many, 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 many uh, gay characters in the uh, in the comic book world uh, preceding whatever it is, the new superhero from Who Stanley. Knew? Who knew? By the way, if I were uh, some sort of a lowest common denominator morning show, we would have had an entire segment about it. And what, w- <laughs> what would his superpower be, do you suppose? Yeah. And then... Blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, it is uh, 503-733-2970. Thank you all for coming along. Uh, Todd Dulles is here stepping in, uh, in the news desk ably, as he always does. Thanks. Um, with his uh, dulcet tones. We have a uh, like coming up at 3, Michael Mayer's show at 7, and, of course, Phil Hendry, uh, who has returned to the station lineup uh, weeknights at 11 p.m., uh, including uh, tonight. Uh, do we have uh, headphones for uh, Chris? Do we know the answer to them? Am I speaking into the void? Hey, uh, hey Richie. Uh, do we have headphones for Chris by chance? By by gosh, by golly! On the wall. On the wall. What does that mean? On the oh, right here. Oh, oh there we go. They're the, uh, sort of the oh, those thing. are the expensive ones. There you go. I swear to God, that's like the $3. Nothing but the best for our guests. Yeah, there you go. I think you pick those
3: that's... up
8: when you're when you're in line at Fred Meyer. And you wow. Have those, those By the Tic Tacs and the yes, d batteries.
2: By the candy. I'll take an Inquirer and those headphones <laughs> right there. And then those plug right into there. Careful, mm. make sure it's turned those down first. Impulse right, items. There you go. Jesus. All right. Uh, it is five zero three seven three three two nine seven. It's welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson program. We're good for our good friend mailman Chris. Hello, how are you, sir? Uh, not bad. Enough. All right, there we go. Uh, so this is. Uh, I forget exactly how we even arrived at this list. The, these are the top five. Is this rock band or Guitar Hero? Oh, this is all rock band. All right. And this is – I guess it's appropriate that we're doing it today because this is like the geekiest show we've had in quite some time. Uh, I've uh, kind of contributed to that. Well, no, no, no. And, but you know what? It's good, though. I mean, I really do mean that. And I don't mean – I'm not trying to say that in a bad way. I'm just saying that Sarah is sort of like the regulator or the governor on a car that will keep it from only going like you know more than 35 miles an hour or something. And Sarah, sometimes if we do more than two or three geek conversations in a row, she'll just kind of in the back room, you'll just share kind of an enough uh, sort of a thing. But Kristen is, in the best sense of the word, an enabler So we are...
10: Uh, I'm one of you. One of us.
2: No, yeah. we're, we're, us. Told, we're <laughs> completely like in a functional, codependent, geek relationship here, all of us today. So it's It's right that we do this today. So how did you... This is rock band.
9: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was talking to you about, you know, I, I of course, have today off, uh, mm-hmm. federal holiday. And I said, yeah, I would come by and do a top five. And... I think I'd originally said something about doing the top five songs that aren't in Rock Band that should be, right. but it's a fairly predictable list because you you know you start glomming onto the Led Zeppelin and, and uh, the Beatles and, right. and and so and we just kind of popped on. Well, let's let's try something that's that's the songs that aren't the most difficult songs in the game. They're not designed... Well, another, to be like, Dragon
2: system. Force or something. Like you, like, you know that you can't play that. Like, exactly. that's a, like, there's just no way. Like, you know that that's going to be difficult.
9: Right. The final song in, in rock, uh, rock Band 2 is uh, Painkiller by Judas Priest. Right. And it's just insane on every instrument. It's, it's, it's meant to be. It's the final song. But these were songs that I looked at that, are at least on one instrument, the song itself isn't that difficult. Wouldn't seem that difficult, and then all of a sudden, one section it becomes becomes difficult to play. It's not out of you. All
2: right, so, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's your top five five for Monday. Four, three, two, one, fire. Hey, by the way, this is the sort of email that makes me get uh, deadbolts at my house. Subject line. Sarah must be feeling better. She's standing next to me at Powell's Books. <laughs> that's right. That's wonderful. All right. Jesus. All right, ladies and gentlemen, counting down the top five rock band songs that are much harder than they might seem. Uh, Todd Tulsa's. Todd?
1: Remember?
2: I guess I have to... Lo- I'm sorry, that's my fault. My, my Please forgive me. I realize I have to actually load the uh, songs up over here. Oh, let's forget that I had this uh, unfortunate lapse here. All right, okay. All right. All right, I am ready. All set? Yes, I am. Let's proceed.
8: Number five, the police next to you.
2: Oh, oh. oh are we shutting the honorable mention? Honorable mention oh, I'm sorry. The
8: honorable... I'm ahead of myself here. I'm sorry. Roll back. <laughs> honorable mention,
2: Soundgarden,
8: Spoonman.
2: If I shut my eyes, if I don't look at you, it really is like I'm hearing some sort of HD radio broadcast, like right next to me. It's kind of freaky. <laughs>
9: this, uh, this song in particular is uh, most difficult on vocals. Mm-hmm. It's it's really nice. it's got some some bass in there that's a little crazy. Well, because he's
2: got that Robert Plant thing going on, the wailing thing.
9: That and it's also uh, what they like to call a talkie where it's got parts of the song that are not vocalized, oh, but rather that's just right. spoken and it it really can can just make you fail out on, on like an expert level you fail out in, in a heartbeat on that. So, yeah, But otherwise, I mean, like on guitar, it's not difficult. And on drums, it's a straight a drum track. But... but there's
2: the one guy in the room that's going to fail miserably. Exactly. And he will cause all of and you And drag to... down everyone. Yes. Right is, that, is it sort of like the Left 4 Dead thing where if one guy fails, then all of you fail? Of course. Yeah, yeah. then he, he brings shame on on, on the whole. And on unfortunately, everyone.
9: unlike Left 4 Dead, you can't go find the person no. in the closet to save them.
2: Huh. Uh... These are the uh, top five songs on Rock Band that are much more difficult than you might otherwise think. Todd, what might number five be? Number five, The
8: Police, Next to You.
9: This is all drums. The triplets on the drums in this song are rivaled only by uh, Run to the Hills. Well, and there's
2: Rush songs too, aren't there?
9: There are Rush. Uh, they do Y uh, Y Z is crazy on drums as well, but that's more of a tr- guitar-driven song. Right. This song, the baseline's straightforward. The vocals are straightforward, but the drums just keep you nonstop motion the entire song.
2: I wonder how they decide which songs to license from which bands. Like if the bands themselves, like if Sting says, "Well, look, these are the these are the five songs that we'd be willing to offer. Like make you know, tell us how much you pay. You know, or if the or if the company goes to the band and asks for a certain song, or if they if they pick the songs because of difficulty, or if they pick the songs because of popularity.
9: Well, with Guitar Hero, it's you know it was they were looking for songs with shred and solos right. and, and, and extended guitars. Uh, rock band, they've moved to songs that are gonna have something to do for everyone. With the exception of Y Y Z, it's the only song that's available that has no vocals. It's right. an instrumental right. song. Uh, they they try to stick with songs that are you know gonna be fun to play in a band environment, and because of that they'll go to a band and say hey here's here's our request and then the band will either say you know no we can't do that song but you know how about this right. one they might have an exclusivity deal with Are there any
2: Zeppelin songs no, for any of these games? No, they no, see that's another way. See that they're such bastards about it because now you know, after that Cadillac commercial we all know that they are they can be bought. I mean Zeppelin does have a price. We've all learned that. So now you know they're just holding it out. You know that they you know that somewhere Jimmy Page has got sealed in an envelope the amount of money it will take for him to get Stairway to Heaven to rock band.
9: You know, and everyone wants Stairway, but I, I'd be more about getting Black Dog for the vocal yeah. and Moby Dick for the drums.
2: These are the conversations, by the way, that Lars Larson never has on the show, which is why you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Todd told us what is number four on the list of top five rock band songs that are harder than you might think. Number four,
8: Muse, Hysteria.
2: Muse is one of those bands that went from... They were a band that nobody talked about or had heard of, and then like a, a day and a half later, everyone on earth was talking about this band.
9: And in a lot of ways, you can actually attribute that to Guitar Hero 3. They included the song Knights of Cydonia on Guitar Hero 3, right. and it just they blew up in popularity because of it. It's And that song is difficult on guitar. This one has an insane bass line that is almost impossible to follow on expert. And I can hear that, yeah. And I and I and I love playing the bass. I love playing the the expert bass on my little toy guitar, and uh, and and pretend that I'm better than I am. But this song this song will kick my butt.
2: And this, they're only a three piece, right? They're a, they're a power trio. Everywhere you go in Utah, you hear Muse on the radio because what's her name? Stephanie Meyer uh, said that she wrote the Twilight books to uh, nothing but Muse. And so everywhere you go, they play Muse. That is just constant on every format now.
9: And I, and I have to admit, uh, up front, uh, not up front, in the middle, I guess, but uh, I did get some help compiling this list. I, I posted it on an Xbox 360 Achievement Forum. <laughs> and, uh And so I had a, a whole bunch of guys. Uh, and then I, of course, when they asked me where... Uh, where I was going to be doing the top five list. I, of course, posted oh, the website. And so, hopefully, they're listening to the stream right now. Thank you, guys.
2: Uh, hurts. To put this list. All right, excellent. Uh, kind of the uh, top five songs that are much harder in rock band than you might otherwise think. Todd Tulsis, number three.
8: Number three, The Rolling
2: Stones, Give Me Shelter. Greatest voice ever. I feel like I had to be having to say, like, you know, like, two for two for Tuesday and... Something something Monday or whatever it is whatever classic rock stations do on Monday. I hate Mondays.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is another song that's a vocal song. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like this would be difficult to play. I mean, it's it's a beautiful song, but it seems like it's a fairly basic song it, in terms of instrument. It
9: is. it has got it's got a little bit of kick in the drums, and and of course you know Keith's sure. guitar line is, is is always nice. But the vocals on this, it goes back and forth with. Uh, some talking parts and the the timing on it is almost you know you have to be just flawless in order to get
2: past. Them. Well, because they're because the the Rolling Stones are very much uh, they're like ACDC. They're one of the bands where really you say they're tight but loose in that they all play really well together, but but the rhythm swings. It's not like a it's not like a straight bam 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 four four rhythm where everything is on the beat. Uh, you know, a lot of that is Charlie Watson, the way he drums, and then, you know, that where, where Mick Jagger kind of sings behind the beat or ahead of the beat a little bit. Boy, and... well, this is just the best song in the history of everything. This might be the best song ever recorded anywhere, ever, in any genre of music. I could listen to this song over and over and over again, like forever.
9: I'm, I'm more of a Paint It Black fan. Like Paint that, it Black's but... not a bad song either. That's a great and song. And that did appear on uh, Guitar Hero 3, but there's no vocals, so got to go with this
2: one I mean you really got to like a song whose uh, where one of the refrains is in fact just rape murder it's just a kiss away rape murder it's just a kiss away that's the sort of thing that only Mick Jagger could really sing and kind of sell as not ludicrous plus this has the hottest moment ever in the history of chick backup singers when this woman who is also the one who is on great gig in the sky and dark side of the moon there's this um there's this great moment where she's doing the, she's doing the, yeah, yeah. And on the third time around, she does, like, her voice cracks. And you can hear Mick Jagger, who loves him, some chick backup singers, um, where she's, she's singing. And on the third time she does it, her voice cracks in just, like, the hottest way imaginable. And you can actually hear Mick, like, in the other room going, like, woo! You know, like, off mic, sort of, because he, 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 you know, is, is so into how she's sounding. It's the greatest moment. Excellent. Uh, Top five songs in rock band that are much harder to play than you might think. Number two, Todd Toltis. Number
8: two, Bang Camaro. Pleasure. Pleasure.
2: You know what you are? You're the voice at the MTV Awards when they're doing the nominees for, like, best on-screen kiss. Gosh, can I do that? That's totally what you're doing. I think you hit the
3: nail on the head there.
2: Yeah, we're like, best best explosion. And you'd be like, Will Smith in Hancock. Hancock. Yeah. Dude, that's it. You are that guy. Okay, I'm telling you right now. Figured it out. Here's the thing. If you now see here I was about to say, Hey, would you like to do some more work for free? But I no, you know, seriously. At this moment I'm thinking about doing like just just to use your voice, I'm thinking about doing like an Emerson Awards. Like around the same time as the Oscars. But yeah. for something like something something different. Let's call them the Emmys. Hey, there you go. Well, we've talked over the whole solo, but oh, this song
9: is a really, really straightforward I only I, I only gave you just the halfway through. That solo
2: well, I heard enough of it though not that can't be played by anyone.
9: It's it's a really easy song and then all of a sudden it just kicks into this crazy solo and, and yeah, instant fail. Number one,
6: Todd Toltis.
8: Number one for the red hot chili peppers. Snow Heyo.
2: That was like the whitest, stiffest (laughs) heyo I've ever heard. That (laughs) was great though. You thank you.
9: (laughs) This one, this one is on there. The guitar line doesn't sound as difficult as it might, you know. But there's no hammer-ons. If you know how to play guitar, you you hammer-on one from one note to the next in the in the uh, the next fret without strumming. Right. And it enables you to move very fast back and forth. This song has no hammer-ons, so you're playing all those little triplet notes. And so this was like an absolute, uh, everyone said the same thing when I said, hey, what's the most, you know, what are songs that... They went right to this. Everyone went to this song.
3: Another one that's like that is Foo Fighters, the pretender in the Guitar Hero World Tour that I just picked up. Yeah. It's it's crazy insane. And you wouldn't think it when you listen to the song. You'd be like, oh, that's nothing. But it just breaks down to be absolutely insane.
2: And that makes it all the more impressive and... I don't know any number of other adjectives. When you see those like YouTube videos online, where there's like some nine-year-old and he's just doing it note for note. I mean, and he's just you know like it, just flawlessly recreating and just like there's got to you know you and gotta have a gene for this, I guess.
9: Do a YouTube search or Google and and just search "I am Chris for life." No, it's not me. Uh, all one word. I am Chris for life. I think it's a four. And he's got all of his videos posted. He's the only guy in the world who has. 100%ed that Dragon Force song Through the Fire and Flames. Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah. These are conversations that you never would have had on talk radio 10 years ago. No. And I like it. All right, Mailman Chris, thank you, sir. Thank
9: you very much. Hey, by the way, I did want to come in uh, as last year. My uh, my sons are back in selling candy mode for the campfire. I brought you a box of the Caramel Clusters. You're a good almond, person. Almond Caramel Clusters. And just wanted to tell everyone if you see the kids out there in front of the grocery store selling uh, Campfire uh,
2: candies, uh, you know, pick pick one up. It's for a good cause. Unless you're Tom Hartman and you stay away from those kids.
7: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Back after this, wrap it up. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You'll have to tell that story something that Todd uh, Tolstice was just telling us. You actually witnessed the infamous Soupy Sales incident where he told kids to send money into him.
8: Yeah, he actually, not just send money, he said, go into mommy's purse, you know, yeah. and grab a couple of bucks and uh, and uh, and send money to Soupy Sales at uh, care TV at 205 West 57th Street or whatever it was, New York, New York. Before zip codes. Yeah. And uh, Supi will send you a postcard from Puerto Rico. Yeah. And that of ended course, I'm a right. kid thinking, a
2: postcard from Puerto Rico? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Tulsis, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks my Thanks for having me in again. If you'd like to hear more of his golden voice, and I know you would, it's at Todd Tulsis. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, rather, ImagingVoice.com. Todd Tulsis can be reached at ImagingVoice.com. Thanks, Rick. All right, there you go. Uh, like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. As always, thanks for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.
7: <laughs> UGH!